Live from Sacramento. Live from Sacramento. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. We are live. Happy Friday. Deuce Mason, Morgan, Reagan, and we're kicking off the show the only way we should after what went down last night at Golden One Center. The Kings at home, TNT in the house, they get the job done. Even if it made Mike Brown furious, the Kings got the win, so why don't we start today with a Kings round table? Deuce Mason, Morgan, Reagan, Frankie Cardicelli, Stroach's better. He's back in the building, and of course, we got the man. Chris Watkins, how are we doing on this Friday? Great. Doing good. Never felt better. Okay, I'm sorry. I just did like an epic, like, yeah, let's go. And all I hear is like, yeah, we're good. We're good. Like, what was up with that? Probably because I I bet you people thought that your energy was fake and Uh, that you're like frustrated energy. Okay, no, 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 no. no. We're not doing this, Morgan, (laughs) because you're going to say that because you knew I was frustrated a bit to start the show. Correct. And it's not anyone's fault. We just had some technical glitches because you know, oh, we're doing we were the podcast. Very video. frustrated. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Everyone was frustrated. Shout out to Chris yeah, Verlaude though for figuring it out. I mean, Chris Verlaude back there, I saw him. He was Thank like, you. it was like, have you ever seen the bear that show the bear where like they're cooking crazy in the kitchen? He was back there just running on every computer screen. He fixed it. Shout out Chris. Verlaude. I, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, do sometimes is just so passionate about things being right that oh. sometimes I'm like, hey, let loose, man. It's okay if a few things just get screwed up. Oh, yeah, let's accept. You know who I was? I was Mike Brown. I was yeah. Mike Brown last night. Oh. I was fr- oh. like, hey, I'm happy. Yeah. We got the win. We're, we're we figured on. it out. We, got we the figured win. it out. But we lit the beam. Still some time for, from, for some frustration for sure. Don't accept in victory oh, what you wouldn't accept in defeat, Chris Watkins. Talk about it. Talk Let's about go. It. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. Here we got a jam-packed show this hour. Kings Roundtable with Chris Watkins, Morgan yeah. Reagan, and Frankie Cardicelli. We'll recap what we witnessed last night. Look ahead to the Suns game coming up at noon. Hunter Patterson from The Athletic joins us live. And then at 1 o'clock, Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee. We'll talk about the Kings game last night. Even sprinkle a little Niners because Brock Purdy had a surgery today. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to break down everything that the surgeons did within the surgery? Because it is March, it's, and I'm so glad that we are going to talk about okay. Brock Purdy and his elbow for an hour. Okay, one, we're not. <laughs> Passive-aggressive Morgan. Okay, <laughs> I promise you we're doing a plenty of kings. You know you know what I feel like you kind of need right now? What do I? What is this? Kind of I'll need. let you know. I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll think about this for I a few minutes. I thought we were minutes. about to get a fog machine. Yeah, oh, me too. I mean, I'm not going to do a why would I'm not doing a fog machine. A vitamin? No. Okay. No. Vitamin. Okay. Let's. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> okay. Okay. Kings win last night, one twenty-two to one seventeen. It was an electric night, man. It, the, the vibes were awesome. It's weird after the game because I felt like I was on this euphoric high of coming off. Hey, man, Kings on national TV. They didn't embarrass themselves. It wasn't totally pretty. They found a way to win. And then after the game, it was like Mike Brown's like dropping the hammer on everybody. Um, I guess let's let's start with you, Morgan. Your first thought, your first reaction to how the Kings got the job done yet last night. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you where I was more on that high, right? Like, yeah, TNT, they showed up. What's up? Now, there's so many. It was interesting because you guys, we obviously talked about this last night. And 
there were so many times that we were very critical about what went wrong in this win. And I feel like there's a lot of wins this season where the euphoric fun energy can take over where there's just so much good to talk about that. You're not really pointing out the flaws. Like you'll, you'll break them down the next day or something last night though. It was so apparent what those flaws were. It was so deflating, not only for us as viewers, but I'm sure for these teammates and these guys. And so when you look at that and then you see how Mike Brown came out in that press conference, I I understood it because his standards are so high. And now we're in this part of the season, Chris and Frankie, where expectations are higher. And so now things are going to be a little different when we break down every game. Chris, you want to start us off? Yeah. No, I mean, and that that's pretty much what Mike said after the game as well, on top of countless other things that he said after the game. But it's just like, yeah, like it's it's, again, it's great that we got the win, but – now is not the time for us to be having these ridiculous mistakes like allowing a team that we know is going to try and crash the offensive glass or just the glass in general and not to do something as simple as just put a body on somebody. Um, like you mentioned, like it was there's so much, you know, so much joy that happened at the conclusion of the game, but you couldn't have that conclusion without the what the collapse. I don't really know what you would call it, but just without the Kings struggle throughout that game. And the struggle was like you mentioned, just so evident that it was, it was really, really hard to watch. And it was really frustrating to just see the Knicks at some points get like four offensive rebounds in one possession. You had to know that that was going to be addressed. Like there was no time to, to really celebrate the win because the win wouldn't have been that difficult if they would have taken care of business. That's the wild thing with that said, like, how things shift so quickly, Frankie. Like, <laughs> a year ago, we're talking about, hey, lottery standings, blah, blah, blah. Now, we all we talked about is, hey, man, just have a playoff team. We'll feel great. And I still think we all feel great, but it's interesting how, like, now expectations are a little higher. Mike Brown wants to hold his team accountable. They won last night, but it, he was feeling it. And if he was feeling that way in the press conference, just imagine imagine what he did in the Kings locker room after that, after that game. Yeah, it is funny how things have changed and the Kings have kind of gone from this. Oh, this is a feel good story. And it's a, it's something that, you know, it's almost like the adorable Kings. They're, they're, they're competing this year. And now we're a few weeks away from the playoffs and it's real. I mean, the Kings are fighting for playoff seating and pulling out a game like last night. I mean, I, I wrote it last night, you know, good teams went ugly. And I think the Kings are a good team, but that doesn't mean you have to be content with how you're getting to the, to the finish line. And the Kings started off so well last night. I mean, you're looking at the first half. They shoot 60% from the field. Uh, they outscored the Knicks by 16. They hold the Knicks at 35% from the field, 25 from three. They locked in defensively. They came out. They set the tone, which was not the case the last time these two teams played in New York. The Knicks completely ran them out of the gym in the beginning. Julius Randle had 17 points. The Kings set the tone. But I don't know if it's from being comfortable or, or just kind of um, you know, De'Aaron Fox was dealing with a couple things, got poked in the eye. I mean, it clearly didn't bother him too much. Finished the game with 15 points in the fourth, but the pace wasn't there, and and that's something that just can't happen. And of course, the rebounding is, has been an issue all season long. But last night, you knew coming in, and that's the thing that kind of bothers me a little bit is you knew coming in how tough the Knicks are on the glass, fourth in the league in rebounding. Yet they just walked all over the Kings, and uh, yeah, Mike Brown wasn't happy about it, and he laid into him. Well, yeah. the Kings roundtable is live, by the way. I know we already have to break, but it's going to be a 60-second break on the radio side. 
We always stay live on youtube.com slash Tactown Sports 11.4. There's so many different angles we have to hit from last night's game. Also, there's obviously good from the win, too. It's not all like doom and gloom, Mike Brown. Just kidding. Uh, it's Deuce and Mo. It's Sacktown Sports 1140 and Sacktown Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Everybody coming to their feet here at Golden One Center. The drama playing out. 36 seconds to go. Shot clock hits 10. Fox at the logo. Creeps toward the left ring. Still in three-point range. Dances with a dribble. In attack mode. Drives. Double clutch. Glass. He's got the layup. Two-possession lead. 26.4 to go. Oh, De'Aaron Fox took over last night in the Kings win. I know Mike Brown's upset. We'll talk about that, but let's, let's give me a little fog on a Friday. First time I've ever been in the fog machine here, Morgan. How did I? Oh, oh I think, I think audio. the fog destroyed the mic. I think the fog destroyed the fog. The fog the just mic. destroyed the audio. We can't hear you guys. Maybe they can't hear us. Maybe the fog ruined everything. They hear they hear us. They're trying to figure out why they try to figure it out. Um, How about that Kings win last night? <laughs> no, why they try to figure it out? I was kind of thinking about. I mean, as You're far right. as celebrities going to a Kings playoff game, I mean, the first if the Kings make the playoffs first round, yeah, you have to imagine they invite the big like the big five back. I mean, did you Bibby, see? Weber, yes. Oh my gosh. Peja, Yes, that would be incredible. That is such a great call. I bet they do do that. I wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder if they call 50 Cent back. I saw 50 Cent was uh, made yeah. an appearance at the Pacers game last night. That's so, so random. He's, he's just all over the place. Do, do some of your back real quick. Real quick thought. We're trying to filibuster. Yeah. Uh, if and when the Kings make the playoffs in the first round, do you think courtside, game one, Weber, Bibby, Vladi, Peja, are they coming back for game one, or do you think that's like a they got to make it a little further to have that honor? I mean, I'm just not. We're trying to think about the random celebrities or celebrities. Yeah. I mean, Hassan Minaj will probably be there. I mean, the people that have come in, been coming in and out. But yeah. Deuce well, Mason will be there. Okay, Deuce Mason will be but, there. But if they are playing, depends on who they're playing. If they're playing an LA team, I think some like there might be some B no C list celebrities that roll through courtside. It's a playoff game. People want to see. Uh, what's going on in California? Maybe I want all those guys there. Bring them all. Bring yeah. Bring the whole 2002 squad in. I don't care. Does E forty become a Kings fan again? Oh, was he a Kings fan? <laughs> oh yeah. Was he really? Oh, you guys don't remember that? Yeah. When they was were he good. really? I mean, or did he go to games and just wear a Kings hat? He went to games. Okay. Okay. DC um, talked also, about seeing him there. Before we, before we continue, did you guys? What did you hear before our audio cut out? <laughs> You screaming and yeah. fog. That's okay. about it. It was, just, it was electric. It was, it, kind it of got me pumped up. that the fog thing. I know. And it cut out. I know. It was, I, well, what I was saying, you guys, is I literally didn't even notice that he had a giant fog machine. Like, there was, like, it was actually came by surprise. I don't know why I didn't look over once to see that he was getting it ready. I guess the question I have uh, about StreamYard, Ooh. which we use. Do do we use the free version as a station? Like what? what like, <laughs> now you're flaming Streamyard. 
Dude, that's a question. I'm wondering if we do the we free version. Never that's all. Have issues. I'm just asking. That's a. That sounds like a rhetorical question. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I, Multi-million I think we all know company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't pay for it. Okay. I think we all know the answer. To that. Okay. Anyway, let, let's get back to what we saw last night. The the highlight that I came coming uh, played coming into the break was De'Aaron Fox again. Eight points going into the fourth quarter. I just thought that his ability to take over that game late, especially when it was tied at 96 apiece, it looked very fragile, right? Mm -hmm. The Knicks were getting offensive rebounds. Actually, the previous play, they had five offensive rebounds on one possession. Goes out of bounds with one second left on the shot clock. R.J. Barrett hits a three to tie the game. You're like, okay, what's going to happen? Fox destroyed Josh Hart last night. And I know Josh Hart did his thing. But watching Fox, he cooked Josh Hart last night. What jumped out to you, Morgan Reagan, about De'Aaron Fox? Um, I thought, once again, you guys, we saw a game where he didn't start off as the one that was producing all the points, right? Like, he was the one that was doing what he could. He wasn't having this super hot game. Um, whatever. Didn't matter because there was other guys contributing. Obviously, Malik Monk st- stepped up. We had Domas Sabonis with the trip dub. Uh, De'Aaron Fox in that fourth quarter, though, mm-hmm. showed up exactly on time. Right when everyone needed him most, especially after that awful third quarter. And I feel like the way that he came out and he was throwing it down or even going to the rim um, with the body, with some pushback from guys and still finding a way to go through them and wasn't getting every call that it feels like he's been getting lately since being an all-star. Um, it was just, it was a different level in the emotion that he, he wore on his body language. I, I loved it so much. Chris, you're shaking your head. What did you like yes. about him? Uh, the emotion right there, just like you said, it felt like it definitely felt like, especially in that fourth quarter and we've seen it before, but he really, he really like flipped a switch in that fourth quarter. He he turned it on and it, he really, I, it felt like he felt the moment. He felt that that game was slipping away. You mentioned RJ hitting that three at the top of the key. He instantly comes down the floor. I mean, there, there was some movement before he takes the shot, but got the, got the look from three, didn't hesitate, pulled the three, hit it. Uh, and then he went on a 7-0 run himself. It really felt like he just took over. And then, yeah, the, the emotion was the thing that really stuck out to me. He, he generally, you know, he, he gets himself hyped on occasion, but it really felt like he had a little bit extra that he had to say last night. That was great to see Frankie. And that the other thing that I love too, is seeing him dunk again. I know Malik Monk said it before the season started like, Oh yeah, he'll be dunking again. He's brought it back, man. It, it was, it's been something that's been missing from his game the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think he said a couple of years ago he just – I think it, it took energy, and I think I think people said before it, dunking in the NBA, I mean, it hurts your hand. You can't injure hands. But this season, 33 dunks, and that's more than the last two seasons combined. He had 31 Whoa. dunks the past two seasons combined. His career high, though, is 41 in 2018-2019. That year, Kings won 39 games. So um, something about these years when the Kings play better basketball, Darren Fox is more aggressive, and, I mean, he's pumped up. Like we saw last night – little different version of him and I like to see that and that's a version of him that I'm excited to see come playoff time because um you know the jury's going to be out on whether De'Aaron Fox is built for playoff basketball I think that he is I think that the fact that he is a closer and has been the NBA's best closer in the fourth quarter of the season and who he was in college just he's meant for the big moment and uh last night like Chris said game was slipping away the game went from being you know out of reach 20 point game tie game a couple minutes left and, and Fox really did a good job of uh, you know, putting the game away and, and doing what he does best. 
Well, I, I love the way that Mike Brown was trying to challenge Domas and De'Aaron after the game. And because, Frankie, you kind of talk about how, you know, oh, he looks like he's ready for the playoffs and everything. And it's true. But what I love is that Mike Brown challenges to take one extra leap. And that extra leap was talking about communication. And I know you'll share Mike Brown audio in a second. But, like, you think about how important it is for your leaders to communicate. And I'm not just talking about on defense and got your help. Okay. Slide. No, you know, ball, whatever. It's more about holding guys accountable. So when Mike Brown is all the way down on the other end, he doesn't have to be the one screaming across the court, trying to hold those guys accountable. These guys, there's enough respect to go around that they can start to do that. Yeah, it was why I know we're going to play some of that audio today. There, there's so much to go over, but I, I was listening to Kevin Herter, on a Sacktown Sports' YouTube page from the uh, post game that you guys posted. It was interesting getting his perspective on the whole thing. And he's just like, yeah, like, this is this is how Mike Brown coaches. This is our culture. Like, he's going to call those things out. And we know this, which was very interesting because I think some people hear that and like, oh, man, is this just Mike losing it right now? Is he doing this because it's on TNT? He's trying to be all fired up. It's like, no, this is what he's been doing all year with this group is they have standards. And they're going to uphold that way yep. or they're not going to win the playoffs. And that is not acceptable to Mike Brown, which I dig. Yeah. Yeah. It's either they learn these lessons now or they learn it the hard way in, in the postseason. And I think, you know, it, it's that, that's why I, I've found that this stretch, they, they can really use it as a, like a, a good ramp up to the postseason. It sucks that the Kings have to play so many good teams. Uh, in order to secure their spot in the postseason. But I think it's going to end up being a blessing in a, in, in disguise because they're going to get real legitimate opportunities to play against real legitimate opponents. And uh, they're going to learn where their weak spots are and how how they have to play if they want to get the when they need to. Well, much more on last night's game coming up. It's the Kings Roundtable. Deuce Mason, Morgan Reagan. Frankie Cardicelli and Chris Watkins. We are live on youtube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140 and always live also on SacktownSports.com. It's Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Sacktown Sports. Feel better that Brock had his surgery. Like, oh my! You guys, I could barely sleep oh, last night thinking I don't about. Understand. Like are you, you, you don't have any connection that Brock party. Like they had the surgery delayed. Like no, so I do, but at the same time, the timeline of this it's not like it's Brock Purdy to start the season so I don't give a damn it's like we already have to start talking about a different quarterback situation for the Niners Brock Purdy get better gets better soon but like I'm not talking about you right now like Matt Mayoko like we've already talked about it with Matt Mayoko and everything it's like we can't break that down until the dude's healthy I mean, there's always layer. I mean, in, okay. Absolutely. We don't need to get into this. We don't need to get into this. I'd like this. to get into I, it. I mean, yeah. Why, you just like to see a little conflict, I don't you, Frankie? You like to sit back and watch a little show. You love me and Morgan, drama. You? Yeah, you love drama a little bit there, Frankie. Meanwhile, w- w- meanwhile, can't talk to starting quarterback of the Niners, but hey, let's talk about uh, the, the final two-way contract spot. How's Keon <laughs> Ellis looking in Stockton, right? Like, do you want to know? No, yeah, you know I mean? Brendan, like, Brendan Nunes would like to know. Brendan Nunes would like to know. He's a big yeah. Keon no, Ellis fan. 
And I'm I'm obviously joking, but at the same time, you guys, like we've been waiting for a Brock Purdy surgery for so long. And I'm going to guess with the resources that they have, the report of surgery went well. Yeah, I would expect it to. Well, I mean, you say that, but in all fairness, like it was delayed because he was having issues with the other the swelling's not going down. And yes. here's a the here's the reality, Frankie and Chris. Morgan is so like the Kings are on a playoff run right now. Nothing else matters. Not and I respect it. I get that. I respect it. I completely I get that. It. I was telling Chris before how much I love baseball. Deuce, I know you and I talked about baseball, how much you don't like baseball. Uh, but I, <laughs> at this time of the year, I normally just fully immerse myself into baseball because the Kings oh. have been bad. And this year, I haven't yes. watched any spring training. I'm not really paying attention. Like I'm, mm. It's kind of in the background. You know, I'm, I'm on the Kings right now. I'm, I, that's all I care about. Well, let's let's stick on the Kings real fast. I do want to play a clip. You know, uh, Mike Brown, his opening presser, part of the presser, he went on like a two and a half minute rant about huh. how he felt about last night's game. And uh, Sean Cunningham, right when the rant was done, asked him this: Have you felt this way after a win before this season, or is no. this one, is kind of a one off? Twenty three offensive rebounds. Again, you're happy for the win, but it, that does not sit well with me at all. Do you feel that they're receptive to it, especially coming off of a win, emotions of a win, and then to hear a message like that? Do you feel the team is receptive to a message like that? I hope so, because if we don't fix that, we're going to get our behinds kicked come come playoff time. That's when the big boys show up. I love this so much. I do. It fires me up. It's like... You know, we've all seen the whole coaches like tirade when they when they lose a game. I mean, I think Alvin Gentry did that like four times <laughs> after he took over yeah. last year, where he was clearly frustrated. He's like, "Oh, understandable." But it, it, there's a different level when you win and your coach does that publicly. Like he comes out and was really critical, and he doesn't do it all the time. Right? That's the thing, you guys. He picks and chooses when it's like. At first, when he did that last night, I said to Deuce after, I was like. Did he do that because it was like TNT game? Like he wanted to set a point? No, like really looking uh. at the whole situation. It definitely wasn't that. You look at those offensive rebounds. Deuce and I went back uh, and watched uh, all the Josh Hart offensive rebounds just to be like, okay, what happened on every single one of these possessions? And I kept telling Deuce it was such a fundamental thing that they weren't doing. And it you, you learn this in fifth grade basketball. Fine man. And then go after ball. Yes, Chris Watkins. Yes. And by finding man, it doesn't matter if you don't once look at the basket. You stare down where Josh Hart is, especially Trey Lyles when he was guarding him. And you stare him down and you never go to crash the board. You're going to put your body, bang, physical with Josh Hart. Chris, why do you... It just like doesn't even. Tonight? It just doesn't even matter if you get the ball either. At that point, it's like yes. you, your 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 job is just to get the man. If yeah. you just make sure Josh Hart or anybody else is the guy not getting the offensive rebound, you did your job. That's it. It's really plain and simple. Like you said, it's like it's it's actually elementary. Like this is one of the first things you learn yeah. in basketball. Yeah, and that's what it came down to, Mike. I mean, you look at the first half, 12 offensive rebounds. You have a chance to go in the locker room and talk about, hey, this is what we need to adjust on. This is what we need to fix. That's what halftime is for. You know, good teams make mid-game adjustments all the time. The Kings have done it this, year, this season. Obviously, teams ahead of them have done it as well. Knicks came out and get 11 offensive boards in the second half. And that's, to mm. me, probably a good reason why Mike Brown really had a fire lit under him. Is, you know, the one key point of emphasis was offensive rebounding. The Kings 
they beat the Knicks across the board in the first half. They played good defense. They the offense was locked in, and they still just got killed in the offensive glass. So, uh, yeah, it makes complete sense. I'd be angry too. <laughs> yeah, when Morgan was talking about watching, going back and watching the Josh Hart stuff from last night, it was interesting because Trey Lyles would find man. He would look at man, Josh Hart, mm-hmm. and then he'd turn around and then go toward the basket, and then Josh Hart just crashes and you know. Everyone knows Josh Hart's game by now. Yeah. If you don't, the guy's yeah. a very good rebounder. It's not like this was just a random night where he was able to do it. He's a very good offensive rebounder, too. But he still had a career high in offensive rebounds last night with eight. Mm. And it was, it was so true. Like, there were times where I'm not just picking on Lyles because he wasn't the only no, one. But no. in some of the plays you saw, you're like, Trey, why are you going toward the basket when Sabonis has his guy boxed out? Herter has his guy boxed out. You got to worry. Josh Hart is the one guy on the floor that everybody watching, everybody in their arena, all the coaches, all the players know he wants to go crash and he's been destroying you. You got to be ready to go and be physical. He was the issue, you guys. He was the one that deflated their defense because, Frankie, you were talking about this a little earlier in the show about how the Kings were actually locked in defensively and, you know, having uh, some some good rotations, talking it up, staying vertical, uh, you know, rotating out on shooters until like that third quarter um, when Grimes was hitting everything. Yeah. But it's like there were so many things that they were doing right. So to not do something that was so elementary correct was the most deflating and frustrating thing, I think, is most of the reason why Mike Brown was pissed. Yeah, and I mean, Mike Brown has talked about this season before how he's a very process-oriented guy. And, you know, I, I think a lot of coaches are. And so I, I completely understand why he was so upset. I mean, it, it, because it, if you watch the game again, like the result doesn't matter if you're process oriented. It's about how you get there and, and, you know, the, the following the right steps and doing the right things along the way. And you believe that the results will come. If you watch that game, I mean, they, they were playing really well for that first half. I think that they, especially in that first quarter, were following the game plan, but, it just felt like as the game went on, the Knicks kind of got more and more comfortable and were able to get more and more exactly what they were trying to get. So I, I definitely understand why he was so frustrated, but um, you know, it, it's going to be on the team to respond because, you know, Mike can only yell at them so many times and, you know, to, to their credit, I think the Kings have actually done a really good job of internalizing what Mike has said and, and taking it out onto the floor in the following games. A couple of comments from the YouTube chat that made me laugh. Um, Carlos in the chat chat says, to be fair, that was actually Kevin Lyles, and he may not be comfortable with the King system. That's That's true. That's a fair point. That was not true. That was Kevin Lyles, according to Jamal Crawford. But I love Jamal Crawford. I don't want to pick on him. It is bad when you mess up a name that bad. He called him Kevin Lyles last night on the TNT broadcast. Also, zombie uh, head soldiers in the chat oh. being very critical of Sabonis saying he's not a fourth quarter closer. Yeah. Uh, he leads the league in round rebounding because of all of his first half rebounds and leading the league. That means nothing when you get dominated by heart. Okay. Wait, oh, well, I'm sorry. Sabonis that was that Sabonis. <laughs> Sabonis is supposed to go watch, go back and watch. Okay. I know you're staring at the box score. Go watch the game and tell me what happened and did he not box out Josh Hart. Please pinpoint all the plays late in the game where he messed up something rebounding. Do not be critical of the guy who's one of the best rebounders in the league this year who is near, well, I mean, nine triple-doubles now? <laughs> Mr. Double-Double, and you're like, his fourth quarter, he doesn't take over. He doesn't have to take over because they've got De'Aaron Fox who scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. So 
Get out of here. Don't go outside. Oh, oh. Uh, you're going to get ejected from this chat oh. with that type of lame stuff. Oh, God. I, it's not often I get hot at the Sacktown Sports Chat. This is usually what I do at night. Get hot. That is, a, that is a casual clown comment. <laughs> watch the game. And don't say, I do watch the game. No, no. <laughs> it's one thing to watch. You got to understand the game. All right? Watch the bonus and get back to me. I want you to take 15 minutes tonight. Really pay attention. Zoom in on him. Um, Frankie, any last-minute thoughts before we lose you after this break? First of all, that was just incredible. Uh, com- I'm used to it. I completely agree, though. I mean, how how could you go to Damana Sab- Sabonis? Any problems with the Kings? You're looking look a little deeper. Um, no, I mean, I will say that last night, again, great example of, in my opinion, winning ugly. I mean, it wasn't great in the second half. Kings pull out a win. Those are the kind of the ones that you need. And um, I know the Saturday is coming up and I have to take off, but um, I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Saturday is a big game, and the Kings have a chance to put some space between themselves and Phoenix. And I was telling, I think, Chris yesterday, if you can't beat Phoenix on Saturday without Kevin Durant, I mean, when can you? I mean, I mean that's just a thought I'm having. I mean, of course, the Kings are capable of beating anybody any given night, but I think Saturday is a really important game for them, especially if they want to have a chance at uh, that tiebreaker. They're, they're down 2-0 to the Suns right now if they have a chance to – to tie things up, why not? But um, every game's big, and it's a lot of fun, and I, I definitely will be watching games, writing recaps, blaming Damana Savonis for a loss when the Kings are struggling <laughs> on the boards. So uh, oh there's goodness. that lesson. What yeah, are we no. doing? I mean, he leads the league well, in rebounds. Totally. Yeah, it's it's one of the more ridiculous Do better, Domas. Um, coming up next, Frankie leaves us. He's going to Kings practice, but don't get it twisted. You could read all of his stuff at sacktownsports.com. He's got it covered. We are going to break. We're going to come back, wrap up with Chris Watkins on the Kings Roundtable. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports 1140 and SacktownSports.com. It's Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. It's wild. The Kings have 39 wins. And I know that doesn't seem like something you would celebrate in other NBA markets, but here it is a big time deal. Uh, I was talking to someone who works in the league because they were in town yesterday and just talking about like, you realize the Kings have eight winning seasons in their franchise history. Like this is a huge deal. And it was pretty cool talking to people because we have friends who work in the league and friends who are in town who, you know, obviously aren't coming to Sacramento all the time. They, absolutely loved the vibe Mm. they were talking about the beam it was really cool to kind of get some outside perspective on that yeah it was chris like i know we're people in sacramento and we vibe off the beam and the energy but the fact that they couldn't wait to go outside and were texting one another to be like hey can we meet outside like we got to see the beam um it's just i don't know i we already know it's special but doesn't it kind of feel like this is what people usually feel about <laughs> these national teams that get all right. the love? No, absolutely. And it's funny as it is, it's just like we have a tourist attraction. I think that's really what it is. It's just Sacramento really <laughs> hasn't ever had something that it's like, no, come to Sacramento and like you can go, you know, whatever. The San Francisco has the ice cream museum or whatever, you know, whatever. There's just a ton of okay, stuff. Okay, I just real fast, real fast. Wait, I don't know why that's the first thing. The first thing you say about San Francisco <laughs> is the ice cream museum, not the oh, Golden Gate. It's Nobody a pop up museum. I was going to say the selfie museum too. Not Pier like a- <laughs> Thirty Nine, Fisherman's Wharf. 
Golden Gate Park, Golden Gate the Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge, Baker's be Beach, like, I think the Coit Tower. Probably, I don't think the beam quite like it's really great. It is a great site. I just oh. don't know if it quite is like to the level of maybe Coit Tower. Coit Tower is cool. It's not like super interesting. It's a cool thing to look at. But like the Golden Gate Bridge is pretty like iconic. Yeah. I don't know if I put the beam to that level, but pretty close yeah, though, right? There's probably some, Lombard you know, Street. Thank I think you, Melissa. You Lombard, Lombard Street. Street. Boom. There boom, it is. Boom. Beam and Lombard also, Street. I don't appreciate that. Sacramento's have yeah. a tour. Hello. Hi. Oh, Railroad Museum. Oh, I'll say this: Railroad Museum, underrated, underrated. way Thank underrated. You. It honestly Thank is. You. you get to learn about how terrible our history is and how everyone's a piece of crap to people. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 really mind. You take that walk from Doco to Old Sack, and it's a real rough history lesson. <laughs> they have that tunnel <laughs> oh, yeah. that leads right to Old Sack, and I'm like, "Whoa!" There's like six people here who I'm like, "Ah, don't Time know if we should really down. be." I'm not a fan of vandalism, but you I know, just love that we have Sutter Sport up and we all like normalize it. Like, Come oh, on. this is this oh, is a great. Fine. Like, I've done that too in the past, like because I didn't <laughs> really understand, and then I'm like, oh god, yeah. wait. Uh, oh no! Quick shout out, Delta King. Anyone on the Delta King? <laughs> I haven't actually been, uh, but I did a I did a it. murder mystery uh, thing years ago on the uh, Delta King. Yeah. It's it's not for me. I, it's cool. <laughs> I, I like that it's on the water, but like the 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 bar is cool on the Delta King, but that's about it. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't forget our state-of-the-art light rail system. <laughs> you guys in the jar are killing me right now. Oh, All right, it's the God. King's Roundtable. Deuce Mason, Martin Reagan, and Chris Watkins. Coming up at uh, noon, by the way, we're going to check in with Hunter Patterson from The Athletic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he's the man. Oh, yeah. Um, His story that he wrote today, how cool is that, that he tracked down that guy, huh? The 40-win guy, dude. Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 that whole thing is just funny how like Kings fans kind of got clowned for that. And the Kings are one win away from 40 yeah. and we're on, it's March 10th. I know. And no, it doesn't happen much it's, guys. It, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make, we're like, we're clearly living in some form of simulation. <laughs> uh -uh, it has to be because it, 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 we have not seen anything like this in a long ass time. Um, what else jumped out to you guys about last, last night's when we talked about Mike Brown being upset for a while? Yeah. Um, De'Aaron Fox taking over. Sabonis had a triple-double. Well, Sabonis had a triple-double, but I think something else that really stood out, you guys, was the way that Malik Monk was playing in that first half. Mm. Like, he came out hot, ready, energy, really setting a tone for this team. And then you get into that second half, you don't see him as much. You see guys start to, and I'm not saying this is because of Malik Monk, but I'm saying you see guys start to settle for threes. And then on top of that, Chris, Mike Brown, to start that fourth quarter, has that weird lineup. Mm, yeah, and no Fox, that, no Sabonis. How did you feel about that? Um, it, Yeah, it definitely didn't make sense. Uh, you know, because tr traditionally he's he's done a pretty good job of staggering them throughout pretty much the entirety of the game. And usually one of them is on the floor at all times. But um, yeah, they did not start well. I definitely took note of that when I was taking notes in the game. I think uh, the Knicks started on a 7-1 run to start the fourth quarter. Uh, so clearly not not what Mike was hoping to get out of that. But I mean, that's that's another maybe it could have been a test. Like at some point, these guys might have to play without one of De'Aaron or Domas on the floor 
in a very important game. And they're going to have to try and figure it out. Like they're going to have to have guys step up. And, you know, you mentioned Malik. It was great to see him uh, have the performance that he had in the first half. But come second half, he really did much of nothing. And so, you know, you you really want to see your guys step up in a situation where, again, like you don't have your two stars on the floor. Yeah, Malik, by the way, did not play much in the second half at all. In fact, in the fourth quarter, he played just two seconds late in the game when they need ball handler. So, I, you know, Malik's a very passionate dude as well. I think he probably didn't like the fact that he wasn't in there, especially with what he did in the first half. And he was big. I mean, even Trey Lyles, we talk about him in the first half, but even the second half, Trey Lyles is closing this game. And, you know, I, he does so much well. I. I think if he went back and watched some of the rebounding, as we talked about, that wasn't good. But Mm -hmm. he has come up big for this team so many times. A big shot. He had that huge and one late, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you, you, I don't know if you remember. Uh, MTV used to have this show called True Life, where they would like do True yes. Life. I'm obsessed with my car or something. Yeah. I have a True Life. I am scared how much I love Trey Lyles. <laughs> I, it is like uh, that. Just, that could get dark though. Is it like a stand thing, like an Eminem stand thing, where you Trey Lyles? It could things? be. Hey, there's there's always different levels. It's like three different people. You know, we can have different levels of Trey Lo- Trey Lyles love. Chris pans uh, behind him, and he's got like a whole wall shrine. <laughs> to Trey Lyles yeah. just like you know the uh the during COVID like they had the cutouts I just yeah. have like 10 Trey Lyles cutouts <laughs> in the back um it's yeah like I mean it just feels like Trey has been incredibly consistent off the bench especially like the last month or so it feels like you can rely on him every single night and um he really does do just a little bit of everything so I have I have no quarrels with what Trey Lyles does and you know I'll, I'll live with him on, I mean, you know, it, it was pretty bad last night. You, you guys are right. But, you know, usually he is one of the better rebounders on this team. And I think that's why Mike went to him in that situation. Keegan didn't get the run. I thought maybe, you know, Frankie actually did point out to me. It was, you know, what I think they ended up going Fox, Herter, Barnes, Lyle, Sabonis. Yeah. Would you have liked to maybe see them go like a, a really big lineup of Fox, um Keegan Harrison Lyles and Sabonis just for the rebounding it also felt like no, they, they really because, didn't have anyone to put on Julius Randle either yeah I just felt like with rebounding it wasn't a size thing nope it wasn't yeah, it I was agree. simply like like Morgan was talking about like be physical and Seek that's out. why I'm really interested to see how the Kings come out Saturday against the Suns because Mike Brown called them out in that press conference and you know damn well in that post game after the game, yeah. he did the same thing to his team because he's not going to mm-hmm. come out and do that to the media and not do that inside the locker room. <laughs> I expect I, I we're gonna. I know this is we've said this far too many teams. We're gonna learn something. I am. I just want to see the physicality, and this is a Suns team that obviously plays at a high level. Let's see how they mm-hmm. respond. But it's true, Deuce. It's every single game you guys has been a new lesson or a new adjustment is being made from that game. You look at that game against the Minnesota Timberwolves and all those corner threes that the open threes and the adjustments they made the next game to, you know, not allow that to happen so much. And I think with a game like this, when you look at a team that boxes out like that, it, like we're saying, it wasn't necessarily about size. It was about being, it was about effort. It was about physicality. It was about seeking out the guy that keeps getting those rebounds, which by the way, this is all a game plan that everyone knew going into this game as well. It was a point mm-hmm. of emphasis going into this game. And the fact that not only was it not executed, but it was like awful is 
yeah understandable why mike brown was the way he was chris we appreciate you hanging out with us man Seriously. and uh congrats on your first week with chris and co i know one week in the books feels good and uh you know i'm excited for week two see what week two has in yeah store. i mean you probably got this could be a star of like a 30-year run oh <laughs> Don't you dare put. Uh, I mean, you know what? I'll take it as long as the money. Comes that would mean you'd be like it. an icon. Yeah, yeah right. I would be. Thing. Yeah, I would be like a Jason Ross. That would be pretty cool. That is, that's my goal one day. You, to like you hey, you totally can because you're a really good person and you're super talented. Okay, so. in all wow. fairness, I know, like we like. I know we like Chris. But what's wrong he's, with him? He's not as nice as you think. Oh no, I. Think I agree. Super I one thousand percent agree. I am like, not as nice as you think. Like Jason Ross is a gem. Jason Ross is definitely something that you never want to lose in this city. Chris Watkins could be on his way there. Yeah. I just haven't seen like if he has a dark side really, but he has Oh, he definitely does. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's... And how do you feel about Adam Thielen? I mean, are you okay? Vikings? Or wait, no, oh, my, you're a Niners yeah. fan. That's right. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Oh my gosh. The Vikings <laughs> are losing all of their players in incredibly rapid fashion. You just to be clear, you used to be a Vikings fan. Once Sackdown Sports <laughs> became home of the Niners, you were a Niners fan. Is that you know what? Up. Yeah, since I'm a company man, absolutely. Oh, oh you're sick. That's a you heel move. Sell out. No, I actually, I, I swear I cannot stand the 49ers. Uh, yeah, Adam, Adam Thielen's <laughs> departure does make me a little bit sad. Like, he's a real, era, like an dude. actual Minnesota kid who uh, yeah, that is for his sad. hometown team. So, unfortunate. Well, Chris, enjoy your weekend, man. We'll see you next week. I'll try. Appreciate it. Y'all, too. Definitely That's ask Peterman about Trey Lyles. That guy is the number one Trey Lyles supporter. Ooh, we'll okay. do. We will. Yeah. Chris Biederman's coming up at yes. one, but coming up next... Hunter Patterson from The Athletic will join us live. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com. It's Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Sacktown Sports. We spent a lot of the first hour of the show talking about Mike Brown being grumpy. Mike Brown bringing us down a little bit today, huh? Uh, he no. is also one of Kings fans, too, about the light, the beam chance. But honestly, that was kind of fair. Love we, it. We have to talk about that this hour. Plus, Kevin Herter had some interesting comments. Post-game, we'll get to. We've got a jam-packed show for you. And, yeah, I think it, it's appropriate to acknowledge that last night was also fun because you did get a win on national TV. And I felt like it's good for the national audience and you know there's a lot of eyeballs on it because they're playing the knicks mm -hmm. i love the fact that fox did his thing in the fourth quarter it's been talked about all year long like fox in the fourth quarter you see on social media but doing it on tnt last night 15 points and then you think of what he did in the first few minutes of that fourth quarter show that the world as big, big time stuff yeah I, I i love what he had to offer especially because how many times have we defined him as Mr. Clutch, the guy that's coming up big at, at the end of a game. And the fact that he did it on the biggest stage was so fun to show off. But the other thing was, it was interesting because I think the other person that gets love for his late game performances are Jalen Brunson, who we didn't even talk about, didn't even play in the second half, right? I think it would have been fun to see those two battle it out, go back and forth with one another in that fourth quarter, but at the same time, uh, the way that the Kings were playing in the third, if Jalen Brunson was in there as well, I think things would have gotten a lot more scary. Well, let's talk more about last night. Let's talk more big picture with the Sacramento Kings. Welcome in a guy who just put on a new story. 
that just came out about the Kings approaching 40 wins. Wow. And he talked to the guy from Summer League that dropped the 40 wins, man. Yes. Uh, he writes for The Athletic. He's the one and only Hunter Patterson. How you doing, Hunter? I'm doing well. I appreciate y'all having me. Dude, of course, man. How's yeah. everything going? Uh, everything's been going pretty well. Um, I was nervous for a little bit um, for the Kings last night, but they, they did what they needed to. Yeah, it got really, really close. Um, what you, what you, what was your reaction listening to Mike Brown post game? Um, I think, I mean, he's obviously not uh, as pleased as fans might be, but that is kind of what you want in a head coach um, trying to get a team to, I guess, the promised land and, and contending for a title. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I'm. I'm with you there. And I think it was, uh, at first I said to do so, I was like, is he doing that? Cause TNT is there, you know, like what made him so not satisfied with that win. And then when you look back at a few things, you can really break down the flaws that were super deflating, not on a night when they win. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, those things they can do better and grow from the things that they did last night were super deflating. I think they have different expectations for this team. I'm sure, but I'm going to ask you, have your expectations for this team changed since the all-star break? Um, I think it's, it's pretty on par still. I've, I've been really high on them. I'm um, in a, a group chat with a few of my friends and, uh, I, I kind of play like best case, worst case scenario games. Um, oh, let's play one. Do you have right, one right and, now? So I'm like, I, I was like, what do you guys think absolute best case is for the Kings this season? Um, and one of my friends, he's well-versed in basketball. He's just a bit of a hater. Um, he was like, I think probably first round in the playoffs, that's that's like best case. I'm like, bro, I actually think that they can be competitive in the playoffs. Um, so, when did you say this? This was around All Star break. This okay, was okay. I am no I'm no Sean Chu, um, <laughs> so this was like uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you mentioned Sean Chu, and for those who don't know the name, he is uh, the Kings fan. Remember the group of Kings fans at the California Classic in San Francisco, and they were all fired up uh, after the California Classic, and they were walking out and dropped this. We getting forty wins this year. <laughs> We are getting 40 wins this year. Let's go. And they got clowned a little bit on social media. Oh, right? yeah. Like, oh, my did. God, Sacramento, really? 40 wins? But it's kind of crazy. Here we are on March 10th, and the Kings are one win away from 40 wins. When you did your latest piece on The Athletic, what, what was it like uh, catching up with Sean? It was cool. Um, I, I enjoy kind of um, stories that are really based on curiosity. And um, I had seen it over summer. And I thought it'd be a pretty cool idea to catch up with him if they ended up being anywhere close to what he said. Um, and so I wanted to kind of talk to a few people who might have experienced some highs and lows. So I was really glad to be able to catch up with G-Man, Katie, um, yeah. obviously a few, few of the guys on the team. How fun is it too, after catching up with some of those people that have experienced the highs and the lows, hearing the lows of the lows and then... Uh, like, I, I guess experiencing with them the highs of the highs. I mean, it's got right. it's got to feel good to talk to people um, that are good people that are finally getting to feel this. Yeah, I, I mean, I realize how fortunate I am. This is my first time really being this involved. And in, um, I've been an NBA fan my entire life. But um, as you mentioned, these are people who have seen really low lows. And this is my first uh, opportunity to be this involved with the team. So, um 
for me, it's, it's almost like uh, just being able to appreciate the season even more. Um, kind of hearing G-Man say that, like, every now and then it can kind of get a little deflating um, when the other teams are, are more competitive than the one you're covering. Um, so it just makes me appreciative of the team, um, front office, everyone, um, and, and the things that they're doing and the joy that they're bringing to the people in the city. It's kind of crazy that I got chills when you're saying that because Hunter, you're, you're kind of the outside. You're 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 from the outside. You're coming in here and feeling these vibes, and, and it connects with you. That's cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 from the Bay Area, but I don't. I can't say I'm like I'm I'm real like sack. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's cool to kind of get um this this first experience and and see how great the fans are. So last night. Kings on TNT, you know, we already talked about Mike Brown being disappointed in his team after a, a win on national television. What stood out to you about last night and some of the good things? Some of the good, I think this team is meshing probably about as well as you can um, at this point in the season, which is you, you offensively, I'll say that because I'm going to get to the boards later, but um huh. Yeah, they. I think that they're really comfortable. Mike, I think, gives players a ton of confidence. And uh, you can kind of just see that everyone believes that they can be the guy on any given night. And there's not, again, to like kind of the cohesiveness of this unit, there's no like hating or like, oh, man, this guy had 20. I, I had 20 last game, but I didn't get as many shots. So they really seem close. Um, and, and I think... It's more personality things, I guess, for me than than X's and O's. Yeah, I I think that's a huge positive for the group is that they are connected. And I I thought I did think it was interesting going away from the rebounding for a second yeah. that Brown was mentioning Fox and Sabonis too, and putting mm -hmm. more on them. Like he's put them over a lot. Yeah. Like the way he talks about Fox and Sabonis, he was said recently they're both all nba guys yeah they made the all-star team but they're all nba guys but last night after the game he kind of called them out like you need to be the guys holding people accountable yeah. dear and fox you had one rebound in the first half you had three in the game you have to be better but you also have to hold your guys accountable and i think that's it, it's really interesting to see how mike brown maneuvers through this as he has set the culture now but now expectations are raising they want to actually make some noise in the playoffs and he's he's making sure to challenge his best players yeah and i i think i'm torn a bit also because there are really uh less than desirable um non-fox and sabonis minutes yeah. um but then there are guys I, I i do appreciate coming off the bench like trey lyles um, he's someone who's been so consistent that I hold him almost to expectations similar to starters um, because he uh, Malik's been up and down a bit, but he's he's been playing well late. Um, so there's Davion's even if he's not got it, if he doesn't have it going offensively, he's he's definitely going to get you on defense. So I think the bench unit has been pretty big, too. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned Trey Lyles, or as they said on TNT halftime show, <laughs> Kevin Lyles, you know, just not right. understand. It just, it shows you too where the Kings are still with like national oh. media. I know it's Jamal Every Crawford, game, every game like, they're on TNT this year, they mess up a name. You're going right. to run to a board and break down their game. You're specifically told and or you told <laughs> producers that you're going to talk about a person and you still right. mess up the name. Anyway, Trey Lyles, though. I uh, love Jamal Crawford, so I, I have a hard time like 
hating on the guy. Oh, I don't think that's hate, even when I say that. I think I can criticize you not getting okay. a Kings player. It, you know what I mean? Like, Charles Barkley doesn't try. Jamal Crawford. Yeah, he's that. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but Trey Lyles and his, his contributions off the bench, off obviously on the offensive end, but I think the defensive end at times, what he's been able to add, especially as that small ball five at times and to step up and show a lot of strength. What what do you like so much about Trey Lyles coming off the bench? Um, I think for one, he's a real pro because there was a point in the season where he wasn't seeing as many minutes. Um, so he was prepared for this opportunity and um, he's just versatile. Um, you mentioned it in him being kind of like a, a small ball five to stretch the floor. Um, and I think it gives the second unit just more space out there when, you know, Trey is like money at this point from the corners. And so he's naturally going to kind of bring people with him. Um, so he has more gravity than you might expect from a bench player, but he's going to occupy someone who's supposed to be in the paint. So there's going to be more space there. You had some thoughts on rebounding from last <laughs> night. What? what? I, I, I went back and watched some of it I, this morning, just Josh Hart's offensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. And, man, it was just – sometimes you're like, okay, is a guy just out hustling, whatever. It's like, no, like Josh Hart is obviously a good rebounder. We know this. But mm -hmm. there was just fundamentally, like, no physicality, no boxing out. It was just – it was pretty bad stuff, to be honest. Yeah, that's – I mean, any I'm, – I'm sure y'all remember going back to, like, middle school. That's, like, first thing you do um, – like you put a body on someone and then you look to the ball. But um, I mean, it is credit to Josh Hart. He's like one of the Villanova guys and, and someone who comes from like that cloth of uh, just tough players who who do those things and, and really prioritize offensive rebounding. Um, but I did think that there was a bit of a lack of effort. And I don't know if that's um, because we're so focused on trying to get down on the other end of the floor or what the, whatever that may be. Um, but it's not for lack of talent, size. Um, they are a bit undersized, but that hasn't been a problem when they've actually seemed engaged in, in that area of the game. Hunter, you, you hooped, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what position? Point guard? Yeah, I, I wish I, I had a, a – I was a little bit taller, but I'm not. I mean, yeah, are same. you taking a shot at his No, height? no, 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 because I was – Oh, no, I, no, I, was, no, I did not take it that way. I was, I was a point guard, and I was, uh, you know, a 5'5 five, five point guard, and I knew, though, night in and night out, that if I had a scrappy little point guard that – would find a way to you, that was a big rebounder though and was one of those ones that was going to be fast be explosive and have a nose for the ball especially when they would miss a shot and it'd be a long rebound like right. my only job on the defensive end especially because i was slow laterally would be like i'm gonna make sure she cannot get this rebound right. and i felt like that pride wasn't there with josh hart after the fourth re offensive rebound he got and i think that's where like mike brown had every right to be pissed off because it was so elementary yeah and i think you that is a great point because um there's like overall everyone loves the kings they're a really likable team but there's no one on their team that isn't likable which could kind of uh you you might need um mm. i mean everyone's been watching dylan brooks and, and draymond you might kind of need a player like that on your team to hold people accountable 
I don't, I don't, I don't want, I do not want Dylan Brooks. Well, yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. same I, I area mean, as I mean. the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> I mean, I mean, guys, a like clown. Guys no, like, I know what you're saying. Well, yeah, yeah, no, it's that toughness. You need someone that's got a little edginess. Um, that will piss somebody off. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. I that's hear you. That's a great point, it. though, because I've, um, I've thought about that a few times. It would have been great to have kind of had like an enforcer, I guess, on the team. Yeah. Like, at, at a certain like, point, it is pride. Like, I'm not about to let you get 10 offensive rebounds on me. Thank you. Morgan, could you imagine? <laughs> what? Could you imagine <laughs> if the Kings had a player with my rebounding mentality? Oh, Deuce? <laughs> what is me? No, Hunter, I honestly, like, I have I neck, nothing man. good to say about Deuce on a basketball floor except <laughs> his effort. And truly, I think he could have stopped Josh Hart from getting rebounds because <laughs> you would have been like, I have one job, and I am going to box your ass out of here and not allow you I, to I know you, so, I know you sound like you're exaggerating by that. I'm 100% getting a rebound from Josh Hart. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm being, I'm honestly... <laughs> all right can we talk about something good we keep going yes. back to this rebounding thing the kings won the game okay yeah if that's if that's the one issue that we can focus this much on i think that's kind of uh, yeah um i know we've seen it so often this year your colleague anthony slater over at the athletic did a piece on the king's game uh last night too detailing kind of fox in, in, in crunch time and even early in that fourth quarter it's crazy here he is again 15 points in the fourth quarter and as good as josh hart was rebounding he could not. He got absolutely cooked by De'Aaron Fox last night. Hunter, what do you think of what Fox was able to do? Um, I think he's in a space where he doesn't think anyone can guard him, and rightfully so. Um, and I've asked him before, like, why not? Like, why can't you do this for the rest of the game? Because that's unrealistic. But um, I really think, um, and, and based on the way he responded and everything, it's – I. He, there's something about the fourth quarter that he loves. He loves crunch time. He loves um, the biggest moments of the game, and he performs his best at, at those times. I think what De'Aaron Fox has been able to do and how he's been able to elevate his game um, has just been mind-blowing to see it take this leap in this one year with mm -hmm. some new coaching with some new leadership around you how much do you think mike brown the coaching staff and empowering him to do more has really helped him f find a way into a new tier of point guards in the nba i think it's been huge um and i think just there's been so much inconsistency at that uh head coach position for De'Aaron's career and uh, for him, at this point, we, uh, people would hope that Mike Brown is someone who will be stable here and here for a minute. Um, so I think that they're looking at it more of a as more of a partnership a little bit where you see sometimes after post game, Mike says, uh, De'Aaron looked me off a few times and he kind of just went to do this on his own. So there's like a certain level of trust that I think um, De'Aaron and Mike have reached that probably De'Aaron has never had with any other coach. I know you're big on Keegan Murray based on the last conversation we had with you. And mm -hmm. it seems like since we talked, we're starting to see more of the things that you thought he had in his bag. He's putting the ball on the floor. His defense has been pretty strong too. Right. Um, what, what has stood out to you with Keegan as of late? I think he's, um, he's kind of just starting to be more consistent. As you said, like, for me, I know at least he might not end up with seven to 10 rebounds every game, but 
he'll be there. And if he's not going to grab a board, he might be able to tap into someone else. And just little effort plays that uh, I don't know if we were seeing as consistently are, are starting to be kind of the norm for him. Um, so that's showing up, getting a few more assists here and there, more boards, might get a steal or block. Because um, we know the scoring is pretty consistent when he wants to to do that. You know, it's it's interesting on a game like last night, and we've seen a game like this before where Mike Brown isn't playing him um, after a certain amount of time or it's just like, hey, short leash. I, I don't know about you, Hunter, but for me, I feel like it doesn't really affect his confidence. And instead, he tries to find a way to always bounce back or get better from that experience. Yeah, it's uh... – I mean, again, it's just like the the whole unit here is like very trusting while also being like uh, there's like a certain level of holding each other accountable. So it's like a twofold type thing where I think um, everyone knows that they can uh, do their thing and call certain plays here and there. But at the end of the day, like we we ultimately trust each other and hold each other accountable for whatever is going on out there. So in the post-game press conference when Monk and Fox were up there and Monk had that line where he's like, I know how to turn on Fox and yes, everyone started right. laughing. Did you laugh or were, did you keep Great it? Great like, question. Were you like, that's no, I, I definitely laughed. And okay. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> that was, that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, those, those dudes have been friends since like teens and, and forever. So they're pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hunter, dude, thank you so much for hopping on. I encourage everyone to check out his latest piece on the athletic the athletic doing more king's content now what do you know man what do you know the fans want it it's an interesting story there's a lot of cool stories to tell they're covering it there hunter keep up the great work man and hopefully we see you at a game soon likewise i appreciate y'all and i'll see you soon absolutely hunter Hunter patterson from the athletic here on sacktown sports yeah great guy man Mm -hmm. i i seriously i'm so glad that i finally met him in person at a game and i just i love his um vibe yes demeanor yes yeah it's just such a vibe his voice oh my gosh all of it and his i mean his writing his work as well i wish i had his voice i I know i i understand what you're thinking dude your voice is borderline perfect why would you want someone else's voice you just it's his voice is soothing your voice is like ah mine is like dude that's a sexy no it's like ah no it's like, my voice is eh. like I need a Mo's minute anxiety attack. Are you serious? Ah. He listened to the bass in it. Hey, what's up? <laughs> okay, you hear that? Are you trying to be Hunter? Hey. Oh, I, I, you want me to work on my Hunter? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah that's I like you were just about one. to add a Keegan into I, that. Yeah, you knew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah, like I'm Keegan. Um, you know, I'm cool. Like, I'll I'll play whenever. I thought Keegan Murray was back at the station right now. Actually. Yeah. Is he? No, I don't Is think. He? No, I don't think he can. Oh uh, yeah, I, I stepped out over here. I've been working on, working on stuff outside the basketball to further my career. <laughs> Thanks, Keegan Three. <laughs> three. Uh, oh my God. Uh, well, hey, we're gonna take a break here. Coming up next, uh, we still need to play uh, Kevin Herter stuff. Yes, because he had some interesting comments uh, about Mike Brown. Mike Brown won Coach of the Year last night. Oh, is that truth or trash? Can I say it? Oh, no. Okay. We'll Truth talk about that. Or trash. <laughs> yeah. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports and SacktownSports.com. <laughs>
live and local. It's Deuce and Mo. Watch the show now on YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. Or listen for oh, yeah, free on the Sacktown Sports app. That's the place to be as I cut it off. Thanks, big announcer guy. YouTube.com <laughs> slash Sacktown Sports 1140. The chat is a poppin'. You can get in there and chat, talk with other fans as we reflect on last night's Kings win over the New York Knicks, 122-117. to 117. The Kings are 13 games above 500. Morgan, Reagan, they've got 39 wins. 39 wins. On their way to 40 soon. Holy 40. That is insane, and the Kings are rolling out of the All-Star break. It wasn't perfect last night, obviously, but they got the job done. We mentioned Mike Brown not being happy after the game. Uh, here's a portion of his opening statement, by the way. It's a good win. Our guys found a way to get the win, uh, but we were not good. Uh, I was extremely disappointed in our inability to box out, uh, let alone rebound. Uh, Josh Hart just kicked our ass. He kicked our ass. Nobody put a body on him the entire night. Um, I thought their physicality uh, was great uh, because it made us go one-on-one quite a bit uh, throughout the course of the game and made us take difficult shots. Uh, I thought we didn't get a chance to get out in transition, A, because we couldn't come up with the rebound to get out to run and put pressure on them so they had us playing a slow, walk-it-up paced game. And they were the ones that got out in transition. Uh, they outscored us 17 or, excuse my friends, but 23 to 7. I mean, you could tell I'm a little frustrated. Mm. It's a great win. You take wins at this time of the, of the year, but that's not how we need to, that's not how we should be playing basketball, which you guys saw tonight. I am not happy with our performance at all, except for the fact that we got the win. Somehow, some way, we have to be better mm. throughout the course of the ball game. I'm going to put pressure on Domas and Foxy. They have to hold themselves to an elite level on every possession. But just as importantly, they got to open their mouths and hold their teammates to a high standard. Because that ain't going to fly. Give the Knicks a lot of credit. Good ball club. Tibbs done a heck of a job with them. They're physical. They try to play the game the right way. You feel them throughout the course of the game. We're taking this win, but we got to be better. And it starts with Domas and Foxy. They got to open their mouths mm. and they got to challenge their teammates to perform each possession at an elite level. But they have to do it themselves on both ends of the floor. Wow, Mike wow. Brown is standing ovation from the live chat right now on YouTube and Kings fans around the world. Huh. Morgan, that's as real as it gets. If I just played that clip and I'm like, hey, we're going to take out like who won or whatever. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, they lost the I game did. for sure. Yeah. That to me speaks volumes about who he is as a coach. That's why he won coach of the He sealed it last night. If there's any doubt, this guy coaches his ass off he could have come in it would have been so easy for him last night to do the cheap pop like hey, i'm so proud of our guys national tv we fought we won the game blah 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 no and that wasn't phony either that's like, you can what see I love. It. when mike brown did the 
I've got my glasses on, take some off with the one hand like he's getting serious in his post game. That's when you know he's heated. His voice is a little shaky. That's when you know he's heated. I love the fact that he's not afraid to call his guys for the rebounding, and he's not afraid to put something on Fox and Sabonis as the best guys to be better. Well, what you saw during the broadcast, the TNT broadcast, um, during the game with that in-game interview with Stephanie Reddy, you saw Mike Brown a little bit more himself, like cameras on, you know, like, uh, yeah, we're, we're not putting a body on anybody, but we got to put a body on somebody. And then post-game, you would have thought that they got the loss, just like you're yep. saying, because of the way that he was speaking to the media after a win. And I'm with you, though. I, I loved it. I thought it was genuine. I thought... Um, there's times, you know, that we've seen Mike Brown try to stick up for his guys with the challenge or try to um, stick up for his guys with the way that he'll talk post game. But this was challenging his guys with tough love that they need to take the next step as we get closer and closer to a postseason because he's talked about the playoffs and he's exactly right. That crap ain't going to fly. Well, after the game, I was interested to hear players' perspective. They win the locker room after the game. Frankie Cardicelli, our Kings insider, alongside Chris Watkins, went to the Kings locker room. You can watch the full Kevin Herter interview on YouTube.com slash Sacktown Sports 1140. And Kevin Herter was asked about Mike Brown and his message, message to the team after the game. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he obviously wasn't happy. Uh, offensive rebounds, I think, were obviously a big issue tonight. I thought our, our initial point of point of attack defensively, I thought for the most part we were, we're fine, we're solid, and just got to finish possession. So uh, he's just trying to build us up. You know, we, we got bigger and better things, hopefully, in the horizon. And, uh, yeah, these type of performances down the stretch here, and, and hopefully into the playoffs just won't get it done. And so he let us know. Uh, he's not wrong, but at the end of the day, you know, wins a win. Well, was it a little surprising to hear, given, I mean, there's a lot of atmosphere and, and Fox goes off in the fourth quarter. It seemed like the team was in a good mood. Was it kind of surprising to come back and get that message from everybody? You know, he's always, he expects the best out of us. He has all year. Uh, you could feel it in the game. Obviously, those possessions, there was more than one where it just felt like we we couldn't get a rebound. And uh, so he's... Yeah, he expects the best. Like I said, he uh, there's, there's bigger and better things hopefully on the horizon for us, and he's just making sure we don't hold ourselves back from getting there. Kevin, Could, is there a different level of accountability this season than any time in your career? For sure, yeah, for sure. You feel it from Mike all the time. I mean, is it does that wear on you guys ever, or are you guys just kind of take it in stride and try to get better every day? No, I mean it's uh, it's now that is the that's the culture. Hmm. You know that is. There's no excuses. Like it's maybe it was a shock in the first month or two of the season, and then it's one of those things. Like he, that's how he coaches. It's you know he's he's going to stay honest. We're going to get better over the course of the year. He's making sure that we continue to learn and get better. It's still a young team, and uh, and now that's the expectation. It's you know we know what our days look like, our schedules look like, what film session is going to be like. We know when we're lack of a better word, we know we're up. But uh, yeah, he's going to let us know. Wow. I love it. And it, this is not a surprise last night. It's not, it may have surprised us and fans. Like, wow, sure. he lit him up after the game. Not a surprise to those guys. And that's what I love. They're not taken back. They're not like, oh, my God, screw this, whatever. Um, it's, it's more they understand that if they want to win, this is the leadership. This is the guy. This is the voice, the standards that is going to take them to the next level. That level of understanding a culture is just, it's incredible. It's incredible, Deuce, because there hasn't been anything here for so long, and the fact that it just 
took this leap like this this year, not even the win-loss total, but this culture is just wow. And now we're not just talking about the first round, Morgan Reagan. We're not just talking about the second round. You guys act low. Talking about maybe Western Conference Finals? It's not outrageous. The West is flawed. We've got so much more to get to. We also have story time with Chris Verlon. I think we need to bring to the table coming up next and top of the hour. Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee does a great job covering the Kings. We will talk to him about last night. You actually heard him in that clip with Kevin yeah. Carter. It's Deuce and Mo. We're on 11 to 2 right here on Sacktown Sports 1140 and sacktownsports.com. Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports. Man, happy, happy Friday. Let me just say selfishly, I'm so glad it's Friday. Oh. I, don't, I don't have tomorrow off or anything. That's fine. I'm just saying, no. like, for me to have a whole night off and into tomorrow off. I have to drive to San Francisco in the morning. That's cool, though. You're going to be on Oh, Kings I love it. Pre-game live with you and Drapes tomorrow. Me huh? and Drapes. I'm I'm the analyst, and I'm super excited about it. God, I should see after the show. Yeah. I need to do some breakdown tape and send to them. Good call. Yep. Good call. Um, we'll talk some more Kings and NBA coming up at 1 p.m. Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee doing a great job covering the team this year. He'll join us live. But it's Friday. We need some we need some Christopher Live yeah, vibes. Do. It's time for a little story time. We interrupt this program for an important announcement. It's that time of the day where Christopher Laud gives you the stories that you need to hear. Or maybe not. Story time with Chris Berlant. Baby! So, good got, news. Chris? Nobody died. Okay. Wow. All, and I would say uh, mostly positive. Mostly well, positive. I'll be the judge. Okay. So, how about we start in Toronto, Canada? This sure. comes from the Toronto Sun. So, how would you guys like to eat a basic steel stapler and mini dry erase board with a non slip rubber mouse pad? Uh, no, thank you. No? <laughs> yeah, I'm no. I'm pass on that today. I'm, I, I ate. Okay. Well, that's on the menu at Good Fortune Burger. The order I gave you was originally the Diamond Chicken Burger with fries and a bottle of Coke. The restaurant is calling this the recast menu, and they're asking customers to expense this, eat this. So the names on the orders, they want to get the offices to pay for the, the customers' lunches. So... It looks on the on the receipt. It's a stapler and a mouse pad, but it's really food. So they're trying to get the companies. <laughs> to but buy does it, food. doesn't it just say the restaurant at the top? Do they change the name of the? They restaurant? change the name of the I mean, restaurant on the receipt as well. So wait, what do you guys think about that? I think it's it's great because these companies have it's awful actually. Why? Cool. Oh, you you just submitted like how many staplers do you need in a month? Well, okay, that's where they're going to, like, if it's staples to refill the stapler, maybe it's more common. But then again, we have digitized a lot of things. Like, wait, how many staples did you go through? Why did you buy 17 mouse pads this month? Yeah, and You're fired. Yeah, well, that's... That's why you got to be smart. (laughs) Well, I would say the whole concept is not very smart. But what I like about it is that companies don't give a damn about you. So make sure that you are getting all your money out of them. 
Morgan anti-corporation talk. Hello. I'm with you, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's go to Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is WHIO-TV. Is that the home of John Moxley? It is the home of John Moxley. Oh, oh. So, and you might find out why it's the home of John Moxley. Okay. So first there was Cocaine Bear. Now there's Cocaine Cat. Oh. <laughs> That's what residents of a Cincinnati uh, uh, neighborhood found out. On January 28th, Hamilton County dog wardens were called to reports of a leopard being spotted in a tree in Oakley. It was not a leopard, but a, a serval, which is a wildcat native to Africa, and it is illegal to own in Ohio. They did tests on the cat for its health and did a it did test oh. positive for exposure to cocaine, according oh. to the Cincinnati Animal Care. That's so sad. So sad. So the animal so the Hamilton County dog warden said the cat's owner was cooperative in the investigation and they're not pressing charges at this time. The cat is now being cared for by the Cincinnati Zoo, and information on how the serval was exposed to cocaine was not available. I mean, we can figure this out. A drug lord that wanted this illegal animal at their exotic animal at their house had a whole bunch of drugs. The cat got into drugs, escaped. Here's the problem that you guys you guys just want to push aside. What? The cat's in on this. (laughs) Oh. Is it some those cute things? Yeah. Like uh the swallow that it's it's transporting cocaine probably and got into it a little bit. Really? The, the cat has a drug problem? Are cats not smart? I don't think they're that smart. They're independent. I don't trust I don't trust that cat. So I, Look at that thing. I did reach out to my sources in Cincinnati, and apparently this cat was most likely from Kentucky, where it is legal to own this, but not legal to own in Ohio. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why is it legal to own this exotic animal in Kentucky. That's Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky's it's really... amazing what they allow in Kentucky yeah. and what they decide to ban in Kentucky. Right, I don't think Chris? they ban a lot of things in Kentucky. Oh, no, I, can... Can think of, I can think of one big thing. I, think they... I can think of a huge one. I think they like cats over women over there, okay? Let's just <laughs> keep it there, huh? All right. Would you guys like to go back to Canada? <laughs> so fast yes chris hanover ontario canada this is ctv news we've all heard the same thing growing up don't take candy from strangers good advice right yeah a man a man was said to be seen offering a boy a box of pot of gold chocolates the boy declined but the man insisted he give them to his mom if he didn't want them police then found the man and interviewed him and determined that his intentions were genuine and pure Apparently, the man was motivated by random acts of kindness day and handed out chocolates to people of varying ages. And this wasn't just a trick to trick a kid. Yes. Um, Random act of kindness is not force feeding me chocolate. Yes. Here's the thing. If I say no, thank you. You go, oh, okay. That's I'm going to go chase someone else now. You don't go, no, take this and give it to your mom. Sounds no. like a leprechaun. Yeah. Like, what? Is, I'm out. Yeah. No, yeah. One, never take candy from a stranger. Don't take food from any stranger ever. Like, 
What do you think people do nowadays? Never? They're weird. Never. No, never. Like, Not say, from any stranger. Say you're like at an arena or a stadium or something and you see some fries just sitting there. Are you not supposed to have some? I mean, sitting there or are you going and buying, purchasing them yourself? They're just sitting there. No. What if they're just, you shouldn't eat them? Deuce? Yeah, what, Here's what would you do? Thing, okay, I know this is a callback. So if you're at a baseball game, this and let's so, just say. So weird. Let's just say you witnessed a person leave behind some garlic fries. Is it weird that after they leave and just leave it because they're, they're gone, that you eat their garlic fries? Yes, it is weird. Like their fingers have, t- you don't know where their fingers have been. Yeah, but you don't like the way you eat. You don't like just grab them all over. Like, oh, some people like pretend this is a like bucket of fries. Like they like do this. So oh, they're like touching the classic bucket of fries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. We go to a game, you get a Home Depot size <laughs> bucket of fries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's that. it's acceptable to eat that at a game, Chris. I agree with Deuce. There you go. I may have done it from time to time. Yeah. Were you guys... It's um, free food. Part, were you partaking in alcoholic beverages? No. But, oh. I, and by the way, would not do that for beer, any type of liquid. Yes, I, wouldn't, like, I agree ice with that. Cream. Oh, I'm, I'm so not using glad a spoon, you have standard. But, but like chips or fries. You guys, I think that's so weird. I think that's... And I used to be... I used to probably lean more that way because I really just didn't have enough money. And like when I would... There was a time when I lived in L.A. and the only thing I could afford was a coffee and three cookies in a pack at 7-Eleven for $1 every single day. That would be my one meal. Um, lost a lot of weight. was not healthy. But my point is I probably would have done the fry thing at that point but couldn't afford to get yeah. into a ballpark anyway. I anyways, think we so. found the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All I right. also was the type of kid that like like my, my – <laughs> My stepdad used to do like dumpster diving at our apartment complex. No, he did not. Yeah. For real, real? Yeah, and I like to do it too when I was a kid. How did like syringes not accidentally like get you or anything? I I don't know if it was just I don't I don't think there's a pile of syringes in there. You just kinda look through. You don't just like it's not literally diving in. in. <laughs> just just to be fair, Morgan, I'm not like going in and literally doing like a, a, dive. a dive, like okay. off a diving board. Got it. You, you just climb in and okay. you kind of just look around. Mm. You never know what you could find. Wow. All right, I think we got time for one more. Yes, please. This is from Los Angeles, coming from the AP. Boy meets Congress. Look, oh yes, I saw the story. Oh, okay. It's a boy meets Congress. Boy meets Congress. He's trying to pass a bill, but he can't get it done. When the boy meets Congress, go on. So that might happen after actor Ben Savage, who is most known for his role as Corey Matthews in Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World. Announced on his Instagram on Monday that he is running for U.S. Congress in the 30th District in California. The seat is currently held by Democratic U.S. Rep. Adam Schiff, who is running for U.S. Senate. Now, this is not the first time that Savage has run for public office. Last year, he ran for a seat on the West Hollywood City Council, but only received about 6% of the vote. Okay. You cannot run for West Hollywood Council... And lose and go, you know what? I'm going to try for Congress. You can't win the council seat in West Hollywood when you're Ben Savage. Shoot. I was going to say Fred Savage. That's his brother. Wait. wait What's it, his name? Wait, Corey Matthews. Savage. Just go with Corey his Matthews. Name's Fre- his name's Fred? <laughs> ben. Ben. His brother's Fred that's in Austin yes. Powers. Yes. Thank you. Ben Savage, you lost 
a council race and you think you're going to run for Congress? Shoot for the moon, land no. upon the stars. The, the council no. is like the plan for Congress, right? That's not like, even close to that. Like you have to win the play-in to go to the playoffs, which would be I, Congress. I think I could win the West Hollywood Council right now, a council seat there. No, you could not. I would fare far better than him. West Hollywood? No, you would not. You don't know anything about that town. I Okay, one, what politicians know anything about any town they're in? And they, then Deuce would run, run as an outsider. As an outside perspective. And could you imagine me with a mic? Give give him the mic and get out of his way. Thank you. <laughs> that would be his motto. <laughs> I love story time today. Uh, yeah, thanks, Chris. That we was some really like very PG of you. Yeah. Except cocaine cat. Cocaine cat. Uh, well, coming up next, we're going to switch gears. Catch up with our buddy Chris Biederman. Does he change his last name to B E E because he works for the B? You know, no. Chris Biederman. No, you no. do not. Do, no, uh, he, he's not a company man. No, <laughs> he's not. No, he's not. Chris Biederman, uh, number one, does great work with the Sacramento Bee yeah. covering the Kings. Also, the host of Candlestick Chronicles with our buddy Kyle Madsen. Dude, he does it all. Yeah, we'll talk to him coming up next. It's Juice and Mo on Sackdown Sports and SacktownSports.com. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. On Sports. I, I shouldn't have even admitted that. I can't believe the amount of crap I am getting from people in the YouTube chat. <laughs> from our boss going, you haven't seen the beam yet? He's not wrong. I mean, I've seen it. I just haven't been out front. And I've been talking. I'm like, all right, I, gotta, I need to do that. And no, people are like, well, you could just go out front and then go easy. back down. To, it's not that easy, okay? But guess what? I'm going to make it a point to go see it. Also, I was like, now I want to wait to see it on a very special night. Let's let's ask. Last night was a special. Oh, I guess you weren't there. I, I wasn't at the we game. We weren't I was there. At the game. Maybe there's like a night where like a certain security guard. Otherwise, we're gonna have to walk all I the know, way back fine. around. I, stop. Oh, we, we're God. sounding very high maintenance right now. No. Oh we're no. We're no. sounding high maintenance. It's no. It's not. It's it's about being efficient for the job that comes after the right, job. Right. You know, like we just have job on job on job. Like we got to be efficient. <laughs> But no, we'll find time for the beam. I see you driving. I see you driving. Just not been outside for like the selfie. That's all, man. I uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, make sure if you're in the YouTube chat, hit that thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribed as well. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports and Sacktown Sports 1140.com. It's been a jam-packed show uh, coming up at two, by the way. Cattles and Rami, and they're going to have a lot to discuss about last night's Kings game, the win over the Knicks. Also, um, I'm really sick of this warrior. Like, oh, that's what I want to talk to, to you about before Chris Beerman's here. Yeah. Can we, when are we going to get to the point, Morgan, with the Warriors where we go, okay, we got to stop with them. They're a championship team. Okay. Are you ready? When are you going to be like, hey, they're not that serious at this so, point? So I think it's fair to have this conversation about how and we were talking to some people about this, how they're very much like, we're the Warriors. We'll figure it out in the playoffs. We always do. But then they try to play the narrative of, we're a different team. We're trying to figure things out. This isn't the same team as that we've had, the same pieces. And it's like, yo, the hypocrisy is real. You guys got to stop contradicting your, 
yourselves and you have to understand what your identity is. And they're not willing to admit and or to face what their identity is right now. And I think right now being in between has really hurt them. They're seven and 26 on the road. Like we have to, at some point, and I don't know what it's going to take for people to believe this. It's not the same team as last year. They're not that team. They've lost key pieces from Otto Porter to Bielitsa, Damian Lee, Juan Toscano Anderson. And people get like, they get sucked into the, like, yeah, but Steph, I love Steph. I think he is one of the great players to ever play the game, but he can't do it by himself. And yesterday against a short-handed Memphis team, after they were doing all that jaw jacking back and forth, Draymond talking about Dylan Brooks, the Grizzlies were shorthanded and they won. They won convincingly. This Warriors team's not serious, and they're not going to be sp- serious, especially where's Andrew Wiggins? No one knows what's going on with Andrew Wiggins right yeah. now. So my point to this, how it connects with the Kings, is quite simple. If you had to deal with them at some point, this is probably the best year to go up against a team like this. And I know it's a big, bad Warriors. You want to be scared. I just don't know how scared you should really be. Also, Dylan Brooks last night, remember we played that big promo that uh, Draymond Green cut yesterday on him or on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Brooks had some things to say uh, post game. Here's a battle of the mid between <laughs> Draymond Green and uh, Dylan Brooks after the game. Uh, by the way, Chris was just telling me you guys couldn't hear anything. That's so weird. Are you? I don't know how you wouldn't be able to hear anything. Oh, but... it was epic. It was great. And you'll <laughs> never know now. That's so weird. Oh, whatever. Okay. Whatever. Oh well, God. they went back and forth. Basically, he was he he went after the game and said that, yeah, I'm better than Draymond Green. I'm a better player than him. These two guys going back and forth. I'm like, Draymond, you got to just, like, stop caring about Dylan Brooks. Uh, Draymond, after the game, also said that it's not a rivalry. Winning a game in March is not make it a rivalry. This whole back and forth between these two is so weird. And I think, Draymond, you go back to the beginning of the year, the punch with Jordan Poole. Yeah. We thought, could they recover from it? It's not recovered. Draymond's got one foot out the door. Oh, it's 100%. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so sad, too, about, not sad, but when you do look at the Warriors and the direction that they're going in, and you talk about Bob Myers, you talk about Draymond, all these things, it's breaking down, but it could break down for the better as well because they still have Steve Kerr in a culture. Well, How long, though? Does exa- Bob Myers dip out? Could the Kings be ending the Warriors? Could they be? It's like a a casket match. You oh, know? is that what it is? Yeah. Mike Brown burying his former team. Rest in peace. It'd be like Jungle Boy and Christian where yeah. he just like gives him one last kiss and then shuts the casket. He would. That would that's actually be very emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh Brett in the chat, by the way, and Chris Watkins say, future Sacramento King Draymond Green? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know about that, yeah, but no. that who knows? <laughs> I feel like he's going to go join LeBron. Yeah. All right. Let's stop wasting time. We need a hit on the Sacramento Kings win last night. Let's bring in a guy who covers the Kings at an elite level for the Sacramento Bee. He's joining us right now. Chris Peterman. What's yeah. up, Chris? What's up, guys? How are you? We're good, man. How you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm a little tired. It's late, late NBA NBA nights are still, you know, catching up with me a little bit, but I'm working on it. I'm working on what, get, getting on enough, getting on enough sleep. What time are you? Because we heard some of your questions in the locker room with Kevin Herter after the game. Like, what time are you getting out of there? I left the arena at like midnight last night, I think. Okay. And sadly, like, didn't get to see the beam. I guess they turned the beam off at around midnight. 
Yes, they do. Maybe during the week. I, yeah. you know, it's a little disappointing, but it's fine. Yeah. They they definitely turn off. I don't know why. There must be some regulation. They have to turn it off for some bizarre reason. Sure. Um, and then you're at practice today. Um, what, what? Let's start with that. Before we go back to last night, obviously the Kings got the win. Mike Brown was obviously upset too with the rebounding issues. What were the vibes like today uh, following Kings practice? I mean, generally they're pretty good. I, I think what stood out, um, we, we obviously followed up with Mike about his messaging and just sort of the timing of it, right? Because it felt very pointed in terms of when this message was sent to the team, right? It was, um, you know, obviously our stars, Damana Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox have to set the tone for the rest of the guys and hold everybody accountable. Um, and just the timing of it was, it gave, gave the indication that Brown is maybe sensing that his team is feeling itself a little bit, right? They're mm-hmm. seven and one since the all-star break. Um, they're, you know, what the best for, from a net ratings perspective, the best, if not one of the best teams in the fourth quarter, um, their defense, which you talk about a lot is uh, going into last night was 10th in the NBA in terms of per 100 possessions. Um, so I, I think there was an element that Mike Brown wanted to nip in the bud, like guys, we haven't accomplished anything yet. We've been a nice regular season story, but our goals are clearly a lot bigger than just making the playoffs, right? And just even having home court advantage. Like home court advantage, I, th- I would I would guess in Mike Brown's mind, isn't going to mean a whole lot if they don't advance past the first round, right? So I asked him about just his um, the timing of that message coming after the big win, after being on national TV um, amid a seven and one stretch. And he basically said like, we're not going to take the next step as a team until Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox are the ones delivering the message and holding those guys accountable. And I'm sure you guys have talked about it already today with Fox in particular. It was about stringing together a full 48 minutes and not having to rely on him taking it to that extra level in the fourth quarter consistently. And obviously that's a big part of his game and a big reason why the Kings have been successful this year. But Brown wants Fox to be more locked in in the first and second quarters and even the third quarter, right? Like, so they don't need him to turn it on necessarily at that level. And and it's not even necessarily about scoring. It's just about all the other little things that Mike Brown harps on defensively, moving the ball, shot selection, um, rebounding is is obviously a big one. So it was, I I think it was really fascinating uh, sort of, approach Mike Brown is taking because this is a guy who's clearly been there, right? Like he's been on coaching staffs that have included or that have coached Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and all those guys. And he's seen what it takes to win championships. And so he's pushing the idea that like, Hey guys, we're not resting on our laurels just because we're playing well since the all-star break and the seating is what it is. Like if we want to get to that championship level, these are the steps we have to take. And it starts with De'Aaron Fox and Damanis Sabonis taking more ownership of the roster and setting the tone. So it's not just Mike Brown harping on all these things. So what's the tone then after like last night, you're in the locker room, you're obviously talking to Kevin Hurd. I felt like, you know, he, it's the understanding that comes from these teammates is pretty remarkable. Like everyone's just buying in is on the same page, but now we factor in Mike Brown calling out the stars to kind of hold other teammates accountable. Does everyone with this team also seem pretty ready and um, 
I don't know. Uh, bought in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to that concept as well. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, all indications are, you know, that that they're all bought in. Like, it, it didn't, no one seems upset that, like, oh, Mike Brown is, is you know, not happy with the way we're playing despite getting the win. And Mike put it into context a little bit, too. He's like, I made sure to tell him, like, guys, enjoy the fact that we won. Like, we won the game. That's obviously a good thing. But Mike is saying they set a standard that they didn't that they didn't reach last night just in terms of the way they were playing the result was what they wanted but the standard wasn't there in terms of you know the defense the, the allowing all those offensive rebounds and not boxing out Josh Hart like those types of things and that all started back in training camp like you talk to the players and they'll tell you like you know they signed the contracts um you know I, I know you you guys have probably talked about that like the contracts that they signed and everybody sort of embracing their role and developing a certain level of trust that allows Mike Brown to be hard on his guys, even his best players at this point in the season, even while the team is enjoying this, this level of success that no one really outside the building saw coming. Right. So it feels like right now that everybody is bought in and that obviously winning is going to cure any bad feelings that anybody has. So, um, but, but I think Mike Brown just has a, he's built up a ton of equity in that room, not only because of, how he's handled and coached the team, but because of where he comes from and because of what he's seen and the players he's coached and the coaches he's coached under. So I think all that is, is sort of be, sort of looking like a perfect storm at this point in terms of the way the players are buying in, the way they're accepting their roles and understanding. Like another big point in the season is like a lot of guys, even Keegan Murray last night, Malik Monks at, at certain stretches of the season, Kevin Herter at certain stretches, like a lot of these guys don't get to play crunch time every night just because of how the game goes and, you know, whether or not they're they're rebounding or playing defense early in games. Like guys are sitting out fourth quarters and there isn't always a set rotation of who's in the game in crunch time. And there isn't that's not really an issue because everybody's bought in and everybody's understanding that Mike Brown is is trying to put the team in best position to succeed. And there's just an inherent level of trust, which I think ultimately like that culture that Mike Brown has built is really been as important as anything else that's happened this season, whether it's tactical or whether it's Darren Fox scoring in the fourth quarter, like that culture of accountability, we're starting to see it shine through. And I just saw it last night, like if they go on a run and they end up winning a round or two in the playoffs, like we can point to last night's game against the Knicks is like, okay, that's when they took a step in terms of maturing as a team and developing beyond like this cool regular season story. And like, okay, they might actually be on a path towards something a lot bigger than just reaching the playoffs and ending this playoff drought. It's just weird for several reasons, because one, this whole concept of being critical after a win is foreign because the Kings aren't usually winning anything meaningful in March. And usually if they are, it's like, oh, I want this is so fun. But, you know, you're just enjoying the yeah. 27 wins they might get in the season. So now you're to the point. It's like, no, we're not accepting this even in a victory. Like we have to be honest with where we are as a team at this point in time. I think that's just it, it's it's so refreshing, to be honest. Um, I'm curious from your perspective. Are you surprised at how fast the culture has seemingly yes. shifted? Because, you know, I know talking to Morgan before the season, you know, one of her things was like, look, I think the Kings, I think Mike Brown's the right guy, but the West is tough and it takes time to build and establish that type of culture. It's going to take, maybe take a year or two to get there. Are you surprised at how fast this has developed for Sacramento? 
Yes and no. I've, I've asked different guys about that and, and, you know, you have a new coaching staff. So one of the things that I, that I think has allowed it to happen so quickly is that there aren't necessarily a ton of ties to that losing culture. When you look at, it's a new coaching staff for the most part, right? It's a, it's a group of players with a lot of guys in the rotation that have joined the team within the last year or two, right? Like Trey Lyles, added to last year's trade deadline. Demonis Sabonis, last year's trade deadline. Kevin Herter over the summer. Uh, Malik Monk over the summer, right? Like these are a lot of core rotation pieces that are not tied to in any, in any way the 16 years of, of missing the playoffs, right? So they don't feel that burden. They don't feel that weight that other people who have been with the organization throughout all that or fans have certainly dealt with. Like they're not they're not wearing that as, you know, bricks in their backpack and trying to go through this season. They're just playing basketball. They're just doing what they're, what they've, what they've been training to do their whole lives. Right. So they're not, they don't feel the brunt of what the organization has been through in the same way that fans have. So I think, I think that's a big part of it. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's just a roster that makes sense. Like being able to get, and, and, you know, addition by subtraction, right? Like Buddy Heald isn't here. Marvin Bagley isn't here. Like not to throw those guys under the bus, but like, yeah there's a certain winning attitude that was really important to Monty McNair in terms of the guys that they brought in. Um, and uh, some of that is buying into and accepting your role. Right. And so um, to have guys like Trey Lyles and Malik Monk and um, Keegan Murphy, Murray, obviously a, a rookie, right? Like he hasn't, he doesn't have any ties to, to the, lose, the, the losing stretch. So um, I think all of that points to it being a quicker turnaround than, than initially expected. And look, not to be a wet blanket either, but like Ooh. since the All Star break, they they've gotten a little bit lucky in terms of like the teams they've played and not playing stars. Like they came out of the All Star break against Portland, who didn't have Damian Lillard. Um, one of the Clippers games, Kawhi didn't play. Uh, Zion wasn't available in in the Pelicans game. Um, you know, the Jalen Brunson sat out the second half last night. Kevin Durant's not going to play on Saturday. So like there is an element that like, yeah, they're playing well and, and they're winning these games that they should win. But there's also an element of like, all right, maybe the fact that, um, you know, they've been healthier. Demata Sabonis is like vehemently against load management, right? Like he is not going to sit games just to sit games. He's like, I've asked him about it and he's like, no, man, I'm paid to play. I, I love to play and he's never going to sit out a game if he doesn't I need love to. That guy. And, and so that, that's an element of it, too. Like, you could probably look around the landscape of the league and be like, yeah, the Kings are probably one of the healthier teams in the league. So that might have factored into, you know, the fact that and it, that comes along with some other teams maybe not having the type of regular season from a health perspective that they were anticipating. So that might lead to the Kings having a, a quicker turnaround than anticipated also. You know, you talk about the buy-in, and then you, you look at it from the starting unit all the way to the bench, and you mentioned – one of the guys, Trey Lyles. We were talking to our guy, uh, Chris Watkins, earlier today about Trey Lyles, and he was talking about how he's like his number one fan and that um, if you are a Trey Lyles fan, I just saw on Twitter, you the group is called Trey Bays. Oh, yeah, Chris is a Trey Bay, right? Yeah, so Chris we heard Chris Peterman is a Trey Bay. Is this true? What do you like about Trey Lyles so much? Uh, so I have never been – I've never heard that term. So I, don't <laughs> I have not before today either, but I like it. You're a Trey Bay. Trey yeah. Bay. So I, I will say when there was all this talk about, you know, before the trade deadline and even the months before that, like, oh, the Kings really need to make a move. Uh, to find a backup center, it was like, do they or or should they just maybe try to go super small and play five out with Trey Lyles as their backup center? And then there was the overtime game in Minnesota, right, where instead of after Demonis Sabonis fouled out, 
um, instead of Mike Brown going to Chimezi Metu, he went to Trey Lyles and Trey Lyles, you know, like boxed out Rudy Gobert that allowed somebody else to get a rebound. He, he drew a foul trying to fight for an offensive rebound. Um, he hit a big three. He had a dunk in that overtime sequence. And I was like, all right, maybe the Kings are onto something. And, you know, talking to, to, to members of the coaching staff about it, they're like, you know, we, we feel really good about that as sort of like a, 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 a nace in their pocket, right? Like they could potentially go to that and look like, you know, Mike Brown's been on a staff that, that went super small with the Warriors. Right. And, and that was a change that really helped them win a playoff series or win playoff series, win a championship. I'm not saying that like Trey Lyles could potentially swing a playoff series, but given the style of play that the Kings play with and the speed and the shooting that they have, I would say in the playoffs and in high leverage situations and Mike Brown's done it. He did it last night again too. Like that type of style might be better than trying to replicate what Domanis Sabonis does, right? Like you, you're not going to get a backup big who's going to come in and rebound at the rate Sabonis does or pass like Sabonis does. And I'm not to, I'm not, I'm not saying Chemezi Metu is a bad player, but in high leverage situations, you might just be better off playing five out and playing super fast and pulling another big, the, the opponent's big man away from the paint by having Trey Lyles out there. And, and his versatility um, mm. get, just, just gives them a, a big boost in those spots. And look like Trey Lyles makes two and a half million dollars a year. And you could probably go through the season and there's at least a handful of games where he's given you 15, 20 points and really been a difference in, in some of these victories. And for two and a half million bucks, I mean, that's, you know, there's a ton of value. And I know for a fact, like the Warriors would kill to have somebody like oh Trey Lyles coming off their bench, right? A lot of really good teams would love to have a guy who could play forward, either of the forward spots and small ball center, shoot the way he does, pass the way he does. And it's just like a cerebral guy, like, you know, in the locker room, he's not the loudest guy, but he's always reading. Like he's, he's, he's a guy who's like always got his nose in books He's a professional. He's he's definitely the type of guy that like embodies this buying into your role type situation. And the fact that the Kings were able to get him, you know, in the tra- at the trade deadline last year for Marvin Bagley, I, I I mean I think that's under like really underrated in terms of the moves Monty McNair's made. Um, so yeah, like I've you know other guys <laughs> who work at your station have have given me grief about the Trey Lyles thing, but like I. You know, I didn't think they needed to go give away a bunch of assets to go get a backup center when you can hey. like, no, like, let's let's switch this thing up and play super fast with Trey Lyles and see if it works. And so far, it looks like it has. I agree with you. I like Trey Lyles, small Hell ball yeah. five. I've been saying ever since that Minnesota game, too. It just it makes a lot of sense. Um, They also called him Kevin Lyles. Jamal Crawford. Oh, yes. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Lyles, Lyles is, last is night. alter ego. Um, oh, was it Jamal Crawford who said that? Yes. yes. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, let's, I give, let's give Jamal benefit of the doubt. He's, yeah, he's played in the league. It's not like an announcer just like, you know, being no. yes. Ill, ill-prepared. I think Jamal Crawford is, has paid his dues in, with the game. Of that's what I think, too. He's yeah. a nice guy, too. Um, on the broadcast, they were, you know, Brian Anderson was mentioning this late. It looked like Fox was laboring a little bit. You know, maybe the hamstring was bugging him. But then, of course, he turns it on. And you're like, okay, well, was it really bugging him? Was he just fighting through it? Obviously, he missed that game. Brown said he held him out. Uh, the game before the Knicks game, which was well, who they play? Who they who'd play, they play before the Knicks? Knicks? New Orleans. Wasn't Minnesota? Oh yeah, New Orleans. You're right. It's been a long week, Chris. It's been a <laughs> no, long but week. I, I'm with you, man. I'm, it's, um, it's been a long few weeks. Did Did you notice anything with him laboring? Do you think it's still kind of a thing that's gonna we're gonna have to watch here? Yeah, I mean, he said 
even leading up to yesterday's game that he didn't feel it. And if he did feel it, he wouldn't feel comfortable playing. Um, but hamstrings can pop up at any time and they can kind of linger in my experience covering, you know, even other sports covering the NFL. Yeah. Like if you have a hamstring issue, it's not just going to go away overnight. So it might be something that they're going to be really careful with. I wouldn't be surprised if they did give him more time off as, as the regular season wound down here. Um, but, you know, I, I couldn't really tell from from my seat like it, it seemed like you know he was playing really hard and some of those moves he had when he was getting to the basket and dunking um and finishing in traffic and stuff in the fourth quarter last night seemed like he was operating at a pretty high level physically um but you know i he's he's also a guy who will do something really explosive and then sort of shuffle back <laughs> on defense and i don't know if he's, he's if that's a way he just saves energy or if, or if there is something there in terms of the hamstring and, and the way he feels it. So um, it wouldn't surprise me just given how tricky hamstrings can be. And, and, you know, with all the traveling and flights that they have coming up, um, I probably look at next Thursday's game in Brooklyn after playing in Chicago on Wednesday, you know, are the Kings maybe going to think about not playing him at the back end mm. of a back-to-back? Yeah. Um, you know, that's something I'm, I'm sure they'll consider. And I'm sure they're, they're going to think about a lot. Um, and Fox has been banged up, you know, he's, he had the wrist thing in Oklahoma City. He had, um, I, I know after the Dallas game a few weeks ago, he started having wraps on his fingers, I think, after after hitting the floor trying to get a steal from Kyrie Irving. Um, there have been a few different moments where it feels like, you know, Fox physically is, has been a little bit banged up. And so, um, I again, it wouldn't surprise me at all if down the stretch here they give him a night or two just to, just to try to keep some wear and tear off his body ahead of the playoffs. Well, make sure to check out Chris's work, sackbead.com. Dude, you're killing it this year. I really Much like your stuff. It. No, Much you really, it's, it. it's been really good stuff. So <laughs> keep it up. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us today, Thanks, man. Thanks, Chris. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always of good course. to see you. Trey Bay. Trey Bay. Chris you know what? Like, I'm a big Trey Lyles guy. I don't know if I want to be a Trey Bay. Okay, that's fine. I'll be I'll be a Trey Bay then. I'll be the okay, Trey Bay. You could just be like, yeah, I like him at the small ball five. That's cool. all right. Perfect. All right, Chris. I appreciate you, man. All right. Chris, see you guys later. Here. Thanks for having me. See ya from the Sacramento Bee. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. We got a lot more to get to. Coming up at two, Cattles and Rami. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sports eleven forty and SacktownSports.com. Town Sports. Oh, yes. It's so much better. Night and day. I know what you don't like. You're talking about the music that traditionally gets played during the uh, sports headlines. It is so 90s old and weird, and I just don't understand why, what? as a station, we still do it. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. Brian, but, if you're listening, please, for the love of God. Well, you don't like the... Like, what are... Oh, are we super masculine? Like, what are we trying to do? And Brian is so cool that I feel like I could at least... I could tell him this like this and over text. But it's so bad. It is so bad. You just don't like we, it. You know, some people like it, you know? And no, dude. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a personal thing, you know? It's not, though. It's so... It's, it's definitely like... It's All old. right, fine. You know what? Let's break it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Chris uh, Verlad, how do you feel about the? Dun, 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 dun. I really don't care. You're oh, such a be, be, be honest. Be honest. No, it really doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Wow, he take he has dick pride. In no, it. I guess yeah. he doesn't like working. No, no he doesn't. Anything he doesn't. Cool, Chris. At all, it's yeah. kind, of, kind of disappointing. Honestly, very disappointing. Hey, Morgan, I love um, it. I really do love it. I think it should be there forever. <laughs> 
<laughs> I hate your stupid face. Uh, Morgan, we have some interesting stuff from last night's game to yeah. get to. Um, Sabonis, after last night's triple-double, fourth all-time in triple-doubles by a center. Ooh. Also, I saw this on the TNT broadcast. Stephanie Reddy put this out. Players to average 18-plus points, 12-plus rebounds, 7-plus assists in NBA history. Wilt did it twice. Oscar did it in the 61-62 season. Jokic did it in the 21-22 season. And this year, Sabonis is doing that. That's pretty elite company, I would say. Elite company. And, I mean, sometimes, like, there's stats that we look at and we're like, okay, people are reaching. What Domas Sabonis is doing in so many different categories, it's absolutely incredible. I thought the TNT broadcast did a great job highlighting Sacramento. Stan Van Gundy, uh, Brian Anderson. I'm not just saying that because Brian Anderson put us over unlike anyone <laughs> has put us over in my life. Like, the guy didn't even know us, and he showered us with praise. I Morgan started crying on yesterday's oh. show because of it. But... Um, and then really quick, and then I text him later, and it was like, again, the sweetest text, but go on. Um, I guess my point was, I just thought they did a great job, like, putting Sabonis over, talking about how good he is, talking about Sacramento, and what it means to the fan base. And yeah. I think that's, a lot of times when National comes to town, it's like, you're conflicted, right? Because... You're excited that your team's on national TV, but then you get really offended if they say something wrong or they don't understand something about your team or the city or the, they sounded like they knew what the hell they were talking about. Yep. And that was cool. Yeah. They, they studied up, but they also, whoever they were communicating with and talking to, they wanted to immerse themselves into what the city is feeling and, and talk about that vibe because it is a special vibe. And I think they did a great job. And I think a lot of national people that came to the game ha uh, did a great job of trying to be like, hey, let's take the time to go out and see the beam. Hey, let's be on the floor and talk to people about vibes and so many different things. And that's what you should obviously be doing as a reporter or someone that's covering an NBA game. But it's different because you're getting so much national coverage on a TNT game and everyone's there to really talk about things, the vibe and everything. It was else. really cool. Yeah. It, it was great stuff. Vince Carter, by the way, tweeted out, he does work for Turner or Warner Media now. Good Lord. Swipe of the Fox. The Kings are for real. Sheesh. Did he say it like that in the tweet? Sheesh. Did he? Oh, no. He did not say it like that. He's just saying sheesh. No, I think he... He, he was not saying it like sheesh. the kids. Like, sheesh. Yeah. If like, you know, you know. It, it Fox is bussing, bussing. No cap. Playing with that Riz. With that Riz. He, he got that Riz. Yeah. Like, I want to play her with Riz. No cap, no cap. Yeah. Um, Morgan Reagan, the other thing I want to talk about, we, uh -huh. we mentioned Mike Brown being critical of the team. Uh, he had a message for Kings fans last night. I think we should all take note of this. The Light the Beam chants are great. We all love Light the Beam. Light the love. Beam. The timing... Thank you. Has not been great Thank at you. some games this year. And it was happening when the Kings were shooting free throws last night. Mike Brown was asked about it. Definitely not when our players shooting a free throw. I mean, I love our fans. But we, we, we yell and light the beam when a player shooting a free throw. You, you're supposed to do that right when, the, when they shooting a free throw, not when we shoot a free throw. So, I, you know, I, I don't want it's hard because I don't want to temper the fans' excitement. They definitely pay you know, hard, they're hard earned money to come to the game and do it. But, but, but let the guys shoot free throws first. I mean, you saw, we almost didn't like the beam tonight, you know, and we're yelling like the beam when guys are shooting free throws are too early. I, I mean, for me, I, you know, obviously, uh, I don't like that, but 
again, our fans, they deserve whatever they got coming to them. So it's hard for me to really get on them, and we should step up and make free throws. But uh, let's just try to do it when they're not shooting a free throw. I love it. I love it. He he's you know what he goes. You know what I have a good grasp and a good relationship with this fan base. I'm just gonna I'm gonna sprinkle these few things in for the people that are listening. Hey, let's try and keep it down to under two minutes when we have the lead. Oh, and let's not do it during free throws. It's a little. It does. I know you want your guys to be mentally strong, but it could also light a little fire under the other team's ass too. It's a little noise when you're shooting a free throw. Again, it's about it's lighting, motivating noise. the other team. I'm sorry. I, the timing was fine. fine. I get you want to be quiet during free throws, but the more I think about it, I waver. I go back and forth because I'm like, you know what? When you're on the road, guess what? In a big playoff game or in a close game on the road, the fans are going to be, make noise and you're going to have to make a free throw. If you're going to tell me that, hey, the Kings are missing free throws in this game because of light the beam chance, then uh, then we have some bigger issues no, at hand. No, Mike Brown has... So Sacramento, do cool hand a favor and light the beam! Yes. Ian brings up a great point in the chat. What's the difference between like the beam and De'Aaron Fox going the line and MVP? Nobody likes it, but you're not going to. That's the thing. You don't. It doesn't happen every night, right? It's not happening night in and night out. These MVP chants late at games um, with De'Aaron Fox on the line. I mean, you're seeing that also with every single team. Mike Brown has OCD. So do I. And I understand just being like, hey, I would rather have this type of structure to something and go along the lines with let's not try and motivate a team, jinx anything, even if you don't believe so, in jinxes. I don't think this with Mike Brown is a jinx or motivation thing. I think his thing was quiet during free throws when it's, we're shooting. No, That's what he was saying. This this specifically, yes, but he has talked about this before. Why are you getting so worked up because, right now? No, no, because this specifically, this specifically, yeah. this situation, he was talking about the free throw, but he has talked about this before, oh, Deuce. Okay, okay. I, so stop doing it. <laughs> if you piss off Mike Brown, I'm going to come after you. You just got really worked up on this. I was just having some fun with this whole light the beam thing. Wait, no, I did not. No, I did oh, not. Oh, God. No, I hey, did not. YouTube people, Deuce, do me. You're f- feeling a different vibe. No. no. And do by the favor. way, we're not going to do, do this. Do go back and look at the, go back and look at this and look at her hand gestures and, and someone clip it, tweet it out and Take tell a me look. she wasn't working. I don't up. care. Jeez, I use my hands. I do what I want. I think you can't need, flip off the camera. I think you need a Moe's minute. I think you need a Moe's minute. You're, you're feeling it right own now. Own it, honey. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and JJ no, Sub to me. You He's need, saying own it to me. You need a Morgan minute. Yeah, Mo's minutes are great. You need like seven hundred Mo's minutes. You know what? We did skip it at eleven forty. So, yeah. All right. Well, maybe we need to do it coming up. Uh, we have our final segment of the show coming up. We got closing time. So much more. It's Deuce and Mo on Sacktown Sport. On Sacktown Sports. And their jinxes and don't do this, but do that. 
Relax. If a fan wants to chant like the beam early, who cares? It doesn't impact the game in any way. And if people are missing free throws because of light the beam, we got bigger issues. Deuce literally has a book called Deuce's Rule yeah, Book yeah. to Life. So you have your rules and your but they're rules, they're your ways. This is just some sports fans' ways. There's a reason they call me Dictator Deuce. <laughs> oh. Okay? Because my rules are the ones that matter. Your rules, that's cute. Those are suggestions. Mine, We should have a segment laws. that's just called, And it's time for Dictator Deuce time! I don't know if I want to be known as a dictator, No, actually. probably not a good actually, idea. Actually, no, it's not that big a deal. I just thought it was funny because it's like, look, I've, you know, it's crazy. I've seen guys miss free throws, but it's completely silent. See, and I've, I've seen it. I mean, we've <laughs> talked about this. I'm the type that even when Deuce and I are doing a broadcast, and he's like, he's perfect from the free throw line tonight, like before the free throw. And I'm like, could you just say it right after? Yeah, yeah. Could you? And it's like, it doesn't always screw it up. It doesn't ever screw it up. But when he does miss, it just stings. And I hate that feeling of like stinging in my soul. Yeah, that's a you problem for sure. Why are you looking at me like that? You are on edge, bro. Chill. Chill. It's Friday. No, I'm not. Uh, the Kings won. If I was on edge, if I was on edge, I would probably be like, "You're kind of on edge right now. It's okay." Tell me how. I don't want to get. In, I don't want to get any trouble. Man. I just want good vibes. How about Please. you? <laughs> you should do. Do you want? Do you want to get the other fog machine going? You know, in here, if you know what I mean. Huh? Uh, speaking of smoke, oh. Snoop Dogg coming to Golden One Center, baby. Oh, God. Yep, Live Nation has got your plug to check out Snoop Dogg. Wiz Khalifa, too short, baby, coming straight from Oakland. Got way more than I ever need. Put that. Okay, I'll stop. Too short, Warren G. Burner, high school reunion hell. tour. That's not corny. I know too short. I'm corny as hell. You know Too Short? Well, I've, I've definitely hung out with Too Short before, <laughs> yeah. but I know his music. You got a picture You're... with Too Short. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> you did he, he, he has a great song. Simone about... was there. She knew about it. Oh. He has a great song about a woman named Betty. Well, how does it go? I can't sing any of it, I don't think. <laughs> I can't. Anyway, uh, Snoop Dogg, Wiz Khalifa, Too Short, Warren G. Burner, the high school reunion tour 2023 coming to... Golden One Center featuring special guest DJ Drama. It's uh, live at Golden One Center August 25th, cool. 2023. And if you're caller 10 right now, 339-1140, caller 10, 339-1140, you're getting hooked up with a pair of tickets to that show. Get all the info. Get the latest stories all at SacktownSports.com. Appreciate you guys so much. So enjoy Snoop Dogg in August. Yeah. It's actually a fun show. That's a really cool show. That's fun. Are you a too short person? I mean, I'm more of a... I saw Snoop in concert. Yeah? How was it? It was it was an outdoor... I, it was on an AU trip, and we were in San Diego, and they knew they had a connection to this, like, outdoor music festival kind of thing. Um, and I just remember there was a lot of a lot of smoke, and I was young, and I was just like, this is... This is all bad. Why are they smoking? What's happening oh with all goodness. the smells? Oh, and Black Eyed Peas were like on a different stage. I mean, it was just like a festival of people. But I remember we went to watch Snoop Dogg. Dude, Black Eyed Peas. They were 
monster for a minute. I mean, they did they that uh, the Super Bowl too. Like that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that was a time. Um, I think it's that time. Boom, boom, Let's count. get to closing time. <laughs> closing time. It's closing time. But before we go, you know we have to give you a last call. Did you know that March 10th is considered Mario Day? Because M-A-R in 1-0, like March 10th, is Mario Day. How cute. Are you a big Mario person? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I grew up playing... I was more of a Sonic guy growing up. I didn't have a Nintendo. I had a Sega. Okay, well, I mean, I remember Mario Kart. I remember when N64 came out. I remember always playing that um, whatever Mario game that was. Mario Kart? No, there was another Mario, Mario 64? game. Mario 64? Was it Mario 64? Yeah. Yeah, what, yeah with like all the, the big black um, like ball that was on a chain that was like, ah. Yes. 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 So, um, yeah, my Mario days, they were fun. Oh, and there's that. Isn't there a new Mario movie coming out too? Oh, that pissed sort you off. Of. Nothing's going <laughs> to beat. Nothing's going to beat the original Mario movie. What was yes. the original? Did you remember that, Chris? With John Leguizamo? <laughs> yes. Let me see. Let's see if I can find it. It's from 1993. I don't even know if I actually... I just remember kind of seeing it, parts of it when I was a kid. Oh. It was really bad. Okay. These images, I mean, they bring it back. They bring it back. Wow. <laughs> don't you do a good Mario, Morgan, or no? Uh, Not really, but... It's a me, a Mario! Chris? It's a me, a Mario. That's, That's a Mario. Do you do one? No. Oh. Watkins does a very good one. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Better than yours? Better than mine. He was doing like, I could just do the, it's smart. He was doing like, woohoo, <laughs> Oh, I can do Toad. Okay. Okay, ready? Wow. Wow. Is that a good Toad? <laughs> That's a good Toad. <laughs> 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 uh... I mean, like, might be the impression of the week so far. Yes! Are you better than my siren? Yes, stupid. Wow! My my tornado siren was, wait, was that last week? And you did it one time, and I think it was last week. (laughs) Can't do it anymore. All right. Uh, Brock Purdy finally had surgery today. Morgan? Yes. Do you feel better? I do. I no. I honestly, 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 I do because obviously we all wanted to see him get that surgery fast. That's usually what happens when a guy goes through a big injury, so they can recover and get ready for the next season. Um, for him, I'm happy. I don't think it changes much about the Niners. Already know that there's a lot to think about at that position, even if it was going to be, his surgery was going to be a month from now. You know, even if it was a month ago. What's that? Vib- is that is that a vibrator noise? Oh, is that yeah. your phone going off? Oh, that oh, was my phone. That was, uh, that's a great impression that dude's didn't make. That, is it? That was, it was for a story oh. time. Oh, my phone's, I guess my phone's vibrating. Hello? Hello? What's happening? Yeah, Jay, I don't know what's happening. Hello? Wait, <laughs> were you, like, doing a bit to, like... Why were you doing that bit? Why? Wait, what did that have to do with Brock Purdy? It did it. It was connecting back to the story. It was a good time to interrupt you with a vibrating noise. because yeah. It, trust me, you. I don't need to explain my comedy. Uh, last one, Kings and Sons, Morgan, tomorrow night. No Kevin Durant. Who you got? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. 
God, this I'm is not feeling tough. good about this I one. Know. But you know what? Actually, I changed my mind. Kings are going to respawn. Mike Brown ripped them after the game. Okay. To the media. He probably did in the locker room. Kings respond. Kings beat the Suns. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one. The Suns are still playing pretty well. I mean, they won a game without Kevin Durant since he's joined as well. I'm just going to go with the Suns, hoping for a Kings win. I'm just being honest. Well, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Don't go anywhere. Kettles and Rami's coming up next. We love you, but we got to go. See ya.